0: welcome to the jeff gross podcast this episode is brought to you in partnership with party poker go to partypoker.com to play tournaments cash games and improve your poker game make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes all right welcome everyone we have another special podcast the man the myth we got phil helmuth for podcast 101 his second time on the show phil helmuth how are you fabulous it's hard not to be good. I mean, we, we got a lot to talk about, a lot of action, a lot of things. Let's just kick right off. So if you guys don't know Phil, uh, you're probably in the wrong place because this is poker. You guys know Phil Hellmuth. We have done a podcast. We've covered his sort of journey, his career, his bracelets, all this stuff. We'll talk about it. You're probably longer. in the
1: wrong place.
0: Yeah, right? Come on. I mean, like, you know, you're, you're just you're – missing if you don't know Phil, you're not – you're in the wrong genre. So anyway, we've covered your sort of journey. Let, there's a lot to talk about current events. Let's just dive right into it. You just had a epic battle with sort of, I would say, is it fair to call your nemesis Antonio? I mean, over the years, he sort of seems to have held over you, gotten the better of you in a lot of spots and a lot of little situations. You know, both of you are, both are great friends of mine. I love both of you. Um, but you guys got to actually like legit, you know, because in poker, you're playing multiple people at table. Here, it's just straight up, mano y mano, one-on-one. It's, it was, it was the, the bright lights, Aria, your favorite, one of your favorite places to play, Poker Go, great production, exciting. Tell me what this was like, and look at how many views. I mean, this got 500,000 views. This is brand new on YouTube, and, and you can tell me what happened here, Phil. You just give us the rundown on what happened in this duel.
1: Yeah, I mean, they, they reached out to me, and they said, hey, we're going to do a high-stakes uh, duel. We want to have a $50,000 buy-in, and we want you to play Antonio. I right. said, Okay. I'm Antonio. Uh, To the viewers that are watching this, most of you have seen Antonio challenge me repeatedly. I'll play you any time. Heads up. Loser gets shot with the taser gun. I'll play. He's literally said that on ESPN so many times. I'll play you any time, Phil. Heads up. Loser gets shot with the taser gun. Oh, you think you're so good? Play me heads up he's been busting my chops and i told him two years ago i said we can go play heads up at the aria we'll play 10k buy-ins or 20ks but i'm not going to play for taser guns and all that stuff and so i think you know he he admitted himself he 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 didn't think i was a great player i don't understand it i really don't understand it jeff how i don't seem to get enough respect a lot of times and uh To me, it's very strange because I just keep winning. But Antonio, you know, he admitted it. We went in the first match. He said, I'm 60% favorite. And I thought, man, I've won 23 out of my last 24 Heads Up matches, including the last Heads Up tournament I played in against all the young pros on the East Coast in 2019. And I'm like, what is he talking? I mean, do these people not know what I've done? The last NBC Heads Up championships, uh, I got to Heads Up of the 64 greatest players, you know, and I lost to Mike Mattisow in 2005 i won it so i have one of the best records in history in the nbc heads up championship i mean, I just don't understand the lack of disrespect so he said i'm 60 percent favorite now i know antonio's strong man i mean he's he is a great player and he's strong and i'm like okay i he believes it i know he's not making it up and i said all right so they asked me who's a favorite i thought you know i thought i thought i was a nice favorite but i said uh I said 50-50, and I'm not going to underestimate Antonio because right. whenever you say I'm 80% favorite, I mean, you set yourself up for failure. You look bad. I knew that my mind had to be engaged, and so the first match, what happened was he claims I was very lucky. We played two or three hours, and, uh, and, uh, but I didn't have enough hands in the key spots, I felt like. Sure, I made more full houses and flushes and stuff, but I didn't have enough hands in the. So what ended up happening is I started getting ground down a little bit. My style requires, you know, um, you know, at least 50% luck. My style, I, I usually win. And so I, I didn't realize I, I, my plan was to never bluff them, and I found myself making two huge bluffs, huge bluffs. I turned bottom pair into a bluff on a river. It came king, ten, four. Um, I check-raised the flop. The turn was a, a queen, which was a good card for me. He gave me an open-ender. I checked. And the river was a king. He checked behind me. And now I checked again, and I guess he had three kings. I didn't know this, and uh, with like a five-kicker. Mm-hmm. And uh, now he fires out uh, big, and I'm like, all right, I, I mean, you check-raised the flop. You have to continue to tell this story. I just thought I could get him to fold, so I made it 70,000 to go. Right. If he just calls there, he's going to have a massive chip lead. And he'd be a very big favorite to win the match from there. But he didn't call. And, uh, and I folded it face down. And we're talking about match number one. Folded it face down didn't say a word because you rub it in somebody's face, you piss them off. They become unpredictable. So I don't want the unpredictability. I want people to stay predictable. Right. So I folded it. And uh, two hands later, I flopped top set. It came 6-4-3. And that was the time he made a stand. And he called three big bets with Forrest with a 10 kicker. Mm. And, uh, you know, and all of a sudden from almost being out of the match, I then had the lead. Now, the interesting thing was people don't understand this, but we're at the break. This is behind the scenes stuff for, for you all that are watching this. We're at the break and, uh, and his dad's at the bar. His dad's a great guy. I really yeah, like his Bijan, a Legend. And uh, I look up and they're showing the bluff where I turned the Jack four into the, <laughs> and I said, now this could work to my advantage. Right. And so I go to the bathroom and then uh, I run into Antonio on the way to the bathroom. And you have to understand the bathroom's 20 feet away from where they're showing the match on the television screen right. on say 15, 20 minute delay, whatever the delay was perfect to me. I said, Antonio, wow. I mean, I, I didn't want to tell you, but look what I got away with. I know you're going to go and watch it. <laughs> And he goes back and he's like so steamed. He's like, ah! He said, I'm the worst. I can't believe this. He said, not only did I fold trips to you, then I gave you like $70,000 for a second pair when you flopped top set. And he was just like, you know, fuming a little bit. And, uh, and I was like, all right. I mean, my plan wasn't to show it, but if you saw, I knew he was going to see it because right. he was playing at the bar and his dad was standing at the bar. Yeah. And when you're standing at the bar in the Poker Central Studio, there's TVs on both sides. You can't help but look up.
0: Right. You're going to see it. So anyway,
1: that, I think that kind of helped me. And, uh, that's
0: awesome. So you went you win this of I mean it's it, it turned out it's the the feedback was amazing. People I looked great. I watched some of it. People saw it. the the reviews were great, the format was great. Obviously having two of the biggest names in poker. I think it's pretty clear you, Antonio, you know, Negreanu, Phil Ivey. Those are sort of like the four, you know, in terms of TV, Doyle Brunson, you could throw in there a bunch of other guys, Mike Madassell, guys that are like been around forever and been on TV and still around that are known. You know, it's, it makes it even more exciting. And the fact that you guys are like friends but you actually really want to win like you guys like kind of have a little thing but you're you're friendly it's just like it's very competitive you know you're you're at that level so uh you you take it down and tell me how it works cuz it's like he's beats hill, me a lot
1: going. antonio has beat me a lot of pots throughout history and he keeps mm-hmm. throwing out that challenge phil uh i'll play you heads up anytime Loser gets shot with the taser gun. He keeps telling me this, telling me this, telling me this. Do you
0: wish you played for the taser? Would you have liked to have the taser now? Or no, no, you don't like?
1: My wife didn't like the idea of the taser. She kind of vetoed it, you know.
0: Yeah, it doesn't sound, it sounds unfriendly at that point, but. Yeah,
1: people are are saying, you know, Antonio likes to dish out pain. He talks about it on television. I don't like to dish out pain. Um, So, you know, uh, I don't want pain for myself. I don't want pain for others. And Negrani is the same way. They talk about, I want to crush somebody. I want to own them and all this bs and i'm like um i just want to beat somebody at the poker table and then buy them a drink later yeah and win a couple of, <laughs> you know? uh, but tell me about the format that comes across as the brat on television they're the one well, are actually at the table playing they're the ones that come off as as like like this when you're actually doing interviews i come across softer so anyway yeah. now uh now you know so now I have to accept the, the re challenge. And so, you know, Antonio and I both watched the match. And uh, a month later, we played round two. Now, I think I put up about 40,000 of the 50,000 the first time. And the second time, I kept the same partners and sold a little bit. So I had about, you know, um, 80% of myself in the second round. And that's a $100,000 each. And now we came in, uh, you know, um uh, but now I think the match is 50/50," he said. And I said, "Yeah, 50/50." Now the second match, um, I immediately did catch some nice cards and got off to 230 to 170K lead right away, maybe even 240. And uh, and then I kind of squandered it. I made a big bluff, uh, King nine six. I'd limped in with Ace Queen, and he had a King nine five, and he had a nine che- six. And I check and I check raised big and uh he no i bet he check raised me i re-raised big he called me with a nine and he turned to six nines and sixes so i bet twenty thousand on the turn or nineteen thousand huge for that match and he called me and i was throwing dead and i gave up on the river and uh, he showed the nines and sixes and now all of a sudden the match was level and i'm like man you blew the lead field you should have stuck to your guns but it's okay and so now as time progresses in in the second match um A lot of swings. I mean, he starts playing super aggressive, and he takes the lead. Took a a nice lead, and uh, I was never panicked. I was like, all right, whatever. I mean, like, his style and my style, I limp in every button, which the kids hate, the world hates, but I just keep winning every match doing it. So I keep limping in every button. you you limp uh,
0: in 100% basically, or at some point when it's sub-10 blinds or 8 blinds? Well over
1: 90%.
0: Well over 90%, yeah. I mean... It makes a lot of sense, especially if you want to keep variance down, you want to play in position and people playing in position people argue you want to build a pop, but at some point too it's just frustrating if you you know you get to mix in your worst hands your best hands and your middling hands and guys are guessing guys are frustrated, and guys are kind of trapped also you don't let them fold the do seven off or the three nine right they come in there they hit a three you you know or nine and you have you know, so it, it's it's uh it is a you know it's, it's interesting uh,
1: they talk about they talk about hands that are coolers. Well, when I limp in, when I limp in with King nine and he raises and I fold King nine, they all talk about what a horrible fold that is. Oh, Phil, you play so bad. But then Ali's like, "But, but wait, Nick Shulman, uh, Phil, uh, Antonio had King Jack." And then I, I limped in with King nine uh, an hour later, and I folded for one raise. And Nick's talking about what a terrible fold it is. And then, but but then Ali says, "Wait, Antonio had King 10. So. I'm avoiding these kind of coolers. A King High flop I, with, with as, as aggressive as Antonio is, it's going to be bet, 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 and I'm stuck to call, call, how, call. How, I want
0: to interrupt. I want to interrupt this. I'm fascinated by this whole format and actually what it, how it keeps working because you could technically keep going and playing forever or a new challenger. And how I want to talk about that dynamic. But talk to me a bit about you know the white magic, the GTO versus exploitative, and, and these spots where when when is it ever frustrating to you when you know like you know that what they'll say, you know, what the announcers will say, you know, how the viewers will perceive it. Cause I struggle with this on Twitch and I've made some insane checkbacks, like top full house and a guy had a straight flush and just crazy shit. And when you're wrong or when it's like, not right, like people are going to lambast you and say like, Oh, or even if you're right, they're like, Oh, it's not GTO. You shouldn't do this ever. How do you sort of, uh, how have you been able to stick to your style that, you know, wins and that works and 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 just sort of block it out because we saw Fedor get engaged with you on Twitter. Some other people, Phil Galphon gave you praise, and this sort of whole thing. Like you're you're like a phenomena, Phil. People don't they want to they love you. They want to say you're bad or you can't do it, but then your results. You just keep winning. You keep showing up. You keep beating the best in heads up. Situations, You win the bracelets. You go like, so how do you kind of, yeah, how does this affect your world? Break this down for me. like this GTL Yeah, no, none. I
1: mean, I mean, uh, the one thing you can always say, uh, JG, is this, is that, you know, uh, whenever I make a lay down that looks bad, Twitter goes crazy. How could Phil make that fold? He's not very good at poker, blah, 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 blah. When I make that lay down and it's world class and it's right, then they all say, oh, my God, that's so amazing. Oh, my God, how did he do it? They're so results-oriented. And the world should be results-oriented, but not hand-by-hand. And that's how, you know, I have years of people watching me on tape and seeing mistakes that I made. And then they underestimate me, and then they think, well, I can beat Phil. And then they sit at my table, and they're like, what the hell? The minute they're at my table, now they're in for the experience. Now you get to see who I really am. You watch me on tape in some of these cash games in 2009, 2010, 2011. Yeah, sure, I had bad days, played badly, lost some money. But yeah, if you think that you can watch 100 hands that I play badly on television and come play poker with me, you're not seeing the 20,000 hands that I played better than everybody else on the planet, you know. Uh, you're not seeing those, and you don't understand it until you actually sit down at the table. So all these people, so you know, their opinions just don't mean much, honestly. So... And- I mean, everybody's just too results-oriented. Now, after the second match, um, which I won kind of handily the second match, that was I had a great feeling that day, too. I went in, and I'm like, man, I feel great. Um, I feel like I'm going to win.
0: Nice to win and the first one. It takes away some of the pressure, too. Just kind of nice to get off. You know, you know you're not going to get shut out. You know, whatever. Forget about the money, but just you, you won one, right? You can't Right, stay- but nice. now under
1: the second match, I had a great feeling going in, and I won it rather easily. And when I went back and I looked – I was like, yeah, I could have played a little bit better, but then everybody else looked and they're like, what is going on here? Phil just kept, every time Antonio had it, Phil made amazing fold after amazing fold after amazing fold after amazing fold, and then he made some great calls, and so when you watch that second match, you're like, wow, I mean, I was like, wow, I really, he had it, he had it, he had it, I mean, I was surprised when I was at home, like, wow, he had it again, great fold, wow, he had it again, great fold. You know, so I felt really good about that I was and, like, and how oh, do you th- really? how do you
0: think you match up versus Antonio, someone that you know so well? You've played for decades. you've played live together, you guys know each other, you know your personal lives, you know your 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 poker lives. you really know him. how is that versus like let's say playing uh, online GTO wizard? because listen, Antonio who is one of the best players. He's an amazing poker player. He's got feel. He's got, he's not afraid. He's got, you know, he is a live presence for sure. No question about it. He's also not in the wizard GTO camp. You know, and Antonio knows it too. He's not, he's not doing solvers. He's not what he's a feel guy that has great experience and knows how to play poker, but he is not doing solver world work for sure and he knows he'll be the first to tell you that so how do you compare how do you think you match up with him versus let's say one of like a uh, you know Adamo or uh you know Brinkin one of these not Brin, because he's more also like that but guys that are like solver and, and, and math guys like how do you feel you match up in those two scenarios well the last
1: time i played a field full of the solver math guys was uh was when i played on the east coast heads up tournament in 2019 and i won it i won it kind of easily actually the one tough match where i was deep and could have lost but Um, You know, I just think when I limp in every button, they say, does not compute, does not compute. Where's my GTO? Phil's not raising, does not compute. They're not used to that style. And I'm not there to play to their strengths. I'm there to play to my strengths. And so when I'm playing these matches, I get to look right at them. I look right at them. And when my reads are on, then I think I've proven I mean, you look at, you know, I have 13 world championships and hold them 13 bracelets and hold them and probably like seven or eight seconds. I mean, no one's even close.
0: Yeah. We, we did this on the last podcast. We did break down your, there's a look at your book. We'll talk about that today too. But you're, you're, uh, you're, you know, looking back to 87, your first live, and then you get the, uh, you know, you start winning some titles and, and all the first, but there's so like probably the, I think the most seconds, right. Maybe even the most thirds or
1: up. Yeah. There. I have 11 you, seconds. I think
0: it's just crazy. Like how many you really think about that, uh, and scroll through. I mean, this, this is, this is a lot of live, this is one of the more elaborate Hendon mobs you'll see. I mean, it's, you get lost scrolling through here and how many,
1: well, what's impressive JJ to me is if you look at, if you look at 2000 to 2002, which is actually three years, It's scary how many bracelets I had, how many first places I had, how many. I mean, it's just kind of a scary thing to look at. I was like, wow, because I was looking at, you know, I don't dwell on the past, man. And so I just started looking at that. And I just couldn't believe the number of final tables I made in that little three year stretch. It was kind of crazy. And uh, the number of firsts and seconds and thirds in all the biggest tournaments all over the world. It's
0: it's honestly like all final tables. If you look here, there's no like 12. It's crazy, actually. The string of of, uh, look uh, basically all final tables. It's actually... Right,
1: I've done that. And, uh, you know, I think they forget. You know, sometimes, you know, Fedor came at me and he said, hey, uh, he said, I saw you punt off a $300,000 buy-in I played in. Yeah, I punted two or three of those freaking things. If I don't punt it, I'm going to be deep. I punted two or three of those $300,000 blinds. Okay. So you saw me punt a few tournaments. What does that mean? That's nothing. Right. You know, you also saw You also, if you're paying attention, you know that I've only played in four, one drops, maybe five. And I'm the only guy with three top tens. I only played half the one drops. I'm the only guy with three top tens, but no, no, no. Phil can't do it. And, and you know, in high rollers really, um, the only guy with three top tens in the biggest high roller of them all. And I only played half of them. And so I just keep stacking these records up. And so the world, you know, most people watching this, um, or I'd say in this case, it's poker, you know, 70 or 80% know that I'm great. Uh, But in the real world, uh, outside of poker, I think I have 99% of the people recognize me as being great. And, uh, you know, and, I have all the records in poker, but it's not even close. Yeah. And so but it's frustrating then to have somebody like Fedor. I just wish that he could have seen, you know, all of those hands that I played from 1988 to 2020. If he could have seen all those, all those times I was on with air because I knew I couldn't get called. All those times I called with fourth pair for stacks. All of those amazing three bets where I just had complete air, you know, uh, I wish they could see that and understand it. I mean I tell people if you really wanna see how I if you really wanna see me at my peak, watch the two thousand I mean I think I'm at my peak now, but if you really want to see a peak performance, look at me in two thousand twelve at the World Series of Poker Europe main event, where I played fifty percent of the hands at the final table. I mean, no one plays twenty percent. I just call a race with nine deuce because I knew that I knew that uh, if I knew that if, if if they flopped nothing I was gonna win. I could play almost every hand because I knew if they flopped nothing, I could win. And so, you know, that was kind of, but anyway, yeah. So you're going to have people criticize you. And it started with Phil Galphon saying, wow, Phil played really beautifully. Um, And uh, he said, man, that was, you know, that was an amazing performance. Phil Galphon said in my second match with Antonio. Now uh, a lot of people are like, wow, it's a great compliment. And it was, but I thought to myself, come on, man, I've been doing this for 30 years. Uh, But, but it was a great compliment. And I think because Gail Fond is is highly respected um, and uh, and paid a sincere, legitimate compliment. Thank you for that, Phil.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure.
1: You know, that's what stoked up, you know, people like Olivier Bousquet. You know, people that I had to, you know, there's a whole group of people that I had to invent the term white magic for
0: because <laughs> I would explain nice. I to some
1: of this generation. I mean, JG, I had Ace 10 and I'm uh, in the big blind and someone moves in for uh I want I don't want to exaggerate. I want to say 11 big blinds from the small blind. Well, you know, everybody knows that's an auto call with Ace-10. You're in the big blind. You have to call. And it was all my chips. And I don't know, we had, I don't know, 70 players left in a tournament. And I started talking to the guy rather than just put the money in and talking and talking and talking. And we were on, went right to break. So 15-minute break, it takes me a long, long time. And finally, I say finally I'm convinced he is ace jack or ace queen and I fold it and then I went to describe to one of the young guys like an Olivier I think I was talking to Olivier and I was like uh I just folded ace 10 on the spot and he's like what what are you talking about you can't I said yes and I said no I read him he said what and so I mean I thought wow he doesn't understand that you know and Olivier is my biggest attacker and I, I, I wonder if some of these guys don't understand about reading ability I mean to me, the greatest poker players in the world are going to be great at reads. You know, and that's just all there is to it. Everybody respects Antonio. He's great at reading people. He has balls of steel. He's just not afraid. He has a big heart. And so, you know, so I was like, well, wow. I said to the so I actually thought to these guys my laydowns are like magic. I actually thought it's like black magic to these guys. And I thought, but I'm not a black magic guy, I'm a positivity guy. You know, I'm a family guy, I never cheated on my wife. You know, I'm not a big drinker. I'm not a drug guy. So I said, I'll, th- I'll call it white magic. And so I just started <laughs> saying I have white magic, which just means reading abilities. I love it. I mean, There's they, some they brown magic talk. I talked to a guy for five minutes and figure out that Ace 10 was no good. Did he
0: show it or did you tell you or what happened? You actually you did have it. No, Oh, he freaked hand.
1: out. He didn't show it, but he flipped out. He was right. all upset. Like, yeah. oh, my God. He, he went on and on. No, he was either an amazing actor. Right. or he just felt like he was supposed to bust. Well, me I mean, then.
0: there's something else to say about that too. It's like in that spot, let's say you're in a uh, 300K or in certain spots where you can't pass up any margin or you just like, you, and let's say you're at that table. It's relatively soft. You think you're going to get uncontested spots. You know, obviously, if you know the guy's got a worse hand, you still want You're not going to like fold and pass up a really ahead spot. But if it's close or you do think you might be beat and even though the book says for sure call, yeah, you could argue. P- find a better spot. Maybe don't get called or pick up. you know, maybe the table's playing very passively or whatever. So, I mean... Again, it's kind of a weird argument. All I know
1: is this, JJ. I hear what you're saying. But if when I trust my reads, when my reads are on, and this was a good sign, uh, I'll get to. So after beating Antonio the second match and the third match, about the fifth hand, um, he raised and I called with King Jack. Okay. And the flop came. Now now we're playing for 400000 And I suddenly realized I had 90% of myself. So, you know, because I just didn't. I was just too lazy to sell. I was in Vegas for three, four days. And I'm like, eh.
0: Speaking Absolutely. of sell, did you give it? Was you had some action on you on this one or no? Was it you Yes,
1: but but 12,000. It was on uh, yeah, it was on you
0: Very cool. And we got, yeah, Steak kings, you are now partnered. So that's another. We're talking about our business uh future in the We have a lot of it t- tied in business. But, so they, so by the way, action.
1: how much money do you think I've made the you guys?
0: Pfft, I I'd I have no idea. I know you've done ridiculously well and some how of How about,
1: about how about would you believe $150,000 to the people that bet me on you
0: That's that's a lot, considering I don't. I don't think you sell. Yeah, you sell usually a small piece on there too, yep. right? Yeah.
1: And would you believe that I've won? Like, I don't want to exaggerate. Would you believe I've won twenty out of twenty-two packages? I've only had one losing package on New Steak. Would you believe that?
0: That's that is that's that's a pretty insane statistic. I I would believe it because you're saying it, but no, now,
1: nobody believes it. That's a great thing. I just keep doing these things. People don't even believe it. And I don't even know how they rationalized later not calling me a great player. I won 20 out of 22 packages on Ustake. I lost once. The one time I lost, I was up 50,000 going into the last hand and unfortunately got a little crazy against Alan Keating. Otherwise, it would be 21 out of 22 with one tie. It's really sick, man, what I've been able to pull off. But, you know, there people don't even believe it. You know, and then, then somehow because they see me screw up a hand or they think I screwed up a hand, I'm not a great
0: it's, player. You know, it's you know hilarious to me because this is the fun. By the way, about- one
1: last thing, Jeff, before you yeah. say that. I mean, I had a second, a third, a fifth, a sixth, an 11th and a 19th in 2019 at the World Series of Poker. Uh, uh, second, third, fifth, sixth, 16th at the world. I mean, it, these are unheard of things. And yet I have to hear all this bullshit. But it also keeps me on my toes. What were you going to say?
0: I am just going to say, it's it's funny because this is something I've dealt with and it's it's true in the most, the 98% of the cash game world, you know, like guys are trying to hide their results or don't want to know how good they are because like, you know, the more tournaments you win, the more things like the less guys want in private home games, obviously yourself, you're established, you're one of the pillars of poker. So, you know, the more you win or how you do, isn't going to keep you out of games or private games with your friends. But it's just funny because like, I know a lot of tournament guys or people that are good. They like want to stay under the wraps, but it's just funny because I from your perspective, I I get it and it's like you're basically saying like guys what else do i need to do you know it's, it's obviously no secret that you've been doing it. you've won all the braces also it's a, I, it's just a funny dichotomy right like you actually are like what the hell like guys what like are you really not giving me my my credit but a lot of guys do want to stay under the radar so it's just funny because for you it, it doesn't really matter it's not going to affect you playing games or getting You're to- right
1: i mean i think because i'm phil helmuth because because i'm you know one of the biggest uh, you know names and personalities in poker Everybody wants to play with me.
0: Yeah, it doesn't matter. They're serious. not going to say, "Phil, you're no seat open." Like you know, and also you give action. You're friendly. You're fun. You're not like a wizard tight guy that doesn't talk and is just. I'm like, really
1: tight, but yeah. they all want to play with me, and uh, and it's it's amazing to me that you know the whole planet wants to play with me, and they don't care how much I win. Um, and I think it's part good, of that is I, I am I am a really good guy, of a great heart, and so they like having solid people around who are smart, who can laugh who can laugh at themselves. Like I can laugh at myself. I mean, my regular game, you know, uh, has some really amazing people, the best VC in the world, you know, um, some of the most famous businessmen in the world in that game. And we just have a lot of fun and it's, you know, and it's a challenge, but I fit right in with those guys. And so, you know, for me, it's, I'm, I'm very comfortable. They're very comfortable with me. And, uh, they don't care how much I win. It's kind that's of, that's
0: what I'm saying. It's a unique though. Cause there's a, like I said, 98% there is still, there is a certain level and a certain thing where it doesn't really matter. And that's also like, there's a lot of argument about home games and politics and who gets to play or private games. And you know, that's, that's a whole nother subject. You know, so- Jeff,
1: I'm invited to every game on the planet. Okay. Yeah. And, um, if I happen to be in a town, I'll always be invited. Okay. Um, I'm invited to every single game and I never show up to them. So, I mean, there's a scarcity thing. People want to golf with Tiger Woods. People want to play basketball with Michael Jordan, um, you know, or LeBron James. And people want that experience of playing right. poker with me. And right. I don't sit in Vegas at a table waiting for people all the time. That's scarcity. I rarely show up to a game. So, and so, and And so then when I do show up to a home game in L.A., to one of my friend's home games, and it's, you know the best comedian in the world and all these huge, 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 I mean, names where you'd just be like household names as everybody knows. They're just so excited to play with me. And I'm also excited to play with them. And sometimes I say, wow, that's the best artist in the world. That's the best comedian in the world. That's the best basketball player in the world. And they're all playing high stakes poker with me. I love the vibe. There's a certain air in that room. You know, it's a pleasure. It's an honor to be in that room. For sure, and uh, you know, and so it is. It's, it's also fun for me.
0: It is. It's it is. It's a it's a cool deal. Poker is. It's a great game. Obviously, we love it. You've been in it forever. I've been in it. We we uh, we're aligned with that. Uh, tell me before we close out on this on the the duel. You so you end up getting Antonio on the second, and then just explain how what is the maximum you could win? How does it work with the challenging? Could you go over the rules of that?
1: So fifty thousand dollar buy-in, and okay. then Antonio can buy uh, 50,000. So then he can challenge me. So he has to, so now my hundred stays in escrow at the Aria and he has to put up a hundred for the second match. I won that one. Yeah. So now the third match, I have 200,000 in escrow and he has to put up 200,000 to match me. Now I tried to sell $30,000 worth on you stake. Now I assumed it was going to sell out. I put a cap on it, but I said, for sure, it's going to sell out. i made these guys a free 120,000. Well, I only sold 12 K and they you know and i said let me know the number before i play the match and cut it off now and they did and i thought wow this is crazy how can i make these people all this money how can how can this not be sold out a new stake how can how can how is it that everyone doesn't have an account there? Because Antonio had on State
0: Kings. I know that. Because I saw you both were posting on the respective, and now again they're one entity, which use uh, State Kings and Ustake are together. But I saw that he was posting, you were posting. You sell 12K then of what you posted 30K, you said out 30? of 30. Yeah. Which is I was in
1: JG. So I was filming last year, okay, uh, 2018. I'm filming a cash game and uh and I sold a, a piece of myself. I sold um I tried to sell $30,000, $40,000 worth, and I only sold 18K. No, I won $315,000 uh, for that session, for those two or three days I filmed. So I won all the money, um, and, uh, and and then I found out later that I got to keep uh, 12% because people didn't buy the, the remaining 12%. <laughs> Same thing here. I only sold 12K of the 30K, which means I got to keep... That it's 18, a bonus. 000. So, yeah,
0: you're blind. You're just playing thinking you have this. You come to back. Customer. It's like an extra extra win, right? Yeah, that's... Uh, that's- now
1: we're playing for 400000 Now I have 90% of myself. Now, Jeff, I got to tell you, I didn't have a good feeling going into this match. I couldn't get to the good feeling. And I looked at Antonio, and I saw the hat he was wearing, and I saw the quiet confidence he had, and I saw the clothes he was wearing, and I'm like, this guy's ready, man. I beat dialing. him twice in a row, and there was more modesty. There's like, well... He said, I think Phil's a favorite this time. And I thought, wow, I don't want to hear that. I like playing the overconfident. I like playing the guys that think I suck because it's just easier. They right. don't understand that they should be focused. And, you know, and, and Antonio's like, well, I think Phil's a favorite. And I was like, oh, my God, this is, you know, he is going to be tough today. And I didn't have a great feeling. I was just I was freaked out that it might be kings against aces or something. And. Tried to clear all the negativity out of my mind. Mike the Mouth Mattis, how I called the night before. And I told him, I don't want, you know, any advice from you and no limit hold them. Heads up, none. And, uh, but I'd like to talk. And he gave me zero advice for three months. I play my way. I'm set in my way. Uh, I'm willing to adjust. But the thing is, when I sit down and I don't raise any pots, I'm looking to adjust. There, uh, suddenly, I might raise 30 hands out of the next 50 hands. But If I can just raise none and win all the money, that's the way I'm going to play. It's safer, it's easier, keeps the variance down, lets my reading abilities kick in. So now we're on the third match. I don't have a great feeling, but I do know this. If I take the chip lead again, I'm not giving it up. That's what I told myself. If you take the chip lead again, unless it's hand over hand, don't bluff it off, unless you know you're going to get away with the bluff. (laughs) Don't blow the lead. And about the third or fourth or fifth hand, Antonio race. I think third hand, and I called with King Jack. I limped in, probably, and called his raise. And the flop came queen, ten, eight with two hearts. And he had the queen, seven of hearts. He had a huge handy flop. Wow. He had an overcard. He had a nine. A lot of those cards I'm not paying off. And he had a heart draw. Big hand. Mm. So I check called. The turn was an ace. And uh, now he needs a king to win also. you know. But a queen's no good now because... It would be 10 jack uh queen ace and i'd have a king which would be the nut straight but he right. bet pretty big and i called and the river was a blank and i checked and he bet really big and i just looked at him and i'm like he has nothing and i called him at about the 19 second mark i'm like he has nothing put the money in phil call him quickly and i did and boom uh you know all of a sudden i had thirty thousand, and uh so it was 230 to 170 and i said I already knew I wasn't going to blow this chip lead. Right.
0: That's tough too. You when know. you're down two zero and you got got, now there's a separation. You can kind of feel it. Like you're, you're, you just, there's some, heads up. So pure. It's so emotional. So mental really is like, it's, it's a, it's such a battle, you know? And it really, it's hard. You can psych yourself out and you can get down. Yeah. And, two and two he zero. did
1: battle back to take the chip lead for just one second, mm-hmm. but then I got it back and then I did have a, a, a cooler. And well, I think it's, a, I'd like to say it's a cooler in my favor. Uh, where, you know, he was just complaining about how I was so lucky against him. And I was thinking to myself, he has no idea. He, you know, and the announcers are talking about me being lucky. And I certainly did have more hands than he did. But luck isn't about luck is about hand over hand when you're playing heads up. I didn't have much of that in the first match. And so he's talking about how lucky I am. And I'm thinking, wow, he just doesn't understand. It doesn't matter if I have a full house. And he puts in zero money, or I have a flush. But now the hand came up. But a lot of this is on him, the way this hand came up, JG. This is on him a lot. Um, The flop, I limped in with jack nine of diamonds, and it came queen of diamonds, four diamonds, jack of spades. He checked, I I bet out, and he check-raised me with like the eight, six of diamonds. He's drawing completely dead. Wow. So now I re-raised him. I have a pair and a flush draw, and I'm like, I mean, I got to get the re-raise in here after playing play my hand. And uh, you know, I would never have check raise with this hand. I would have check called. And now the ace of diamonds pops off. Now I make mm. the second nuts. Right. And he bets like 17,000 and 18, five. and I just decide I'm just going to call. I'm going to call. I can't beat the king high flush, but I mean obviously I'm never folding this. He did check raise, which he could easily have had a King high flush draw or an Ace high flush draw, but but he couldn't have an Ace high flush draw because he would have raised with the Ace, and of course the Ace popped up anyway. Yeah,
0: and he's probably he might have, Antonio's probably going to work in some uh, especially with your strategy. He's probably going to get some King X suited raises in on your limp or your. Exactly, he yeah. probably
1: would raise with King X suited. So yeah. so I'm not that worried, and I decided to smooth call. Um, if I had to do it again, I I may have raised. I don't know. The river was an offsuit 10. It's a great card. So now the board is 10 Jack Queen Ace. Mm -hmm. And now Antonio bets 32,000 and I'm studying and I'm studying and I'm studying and I have to raise, but I don't want to move in. I want to give myself room to fold. I have the second nuts, but we're really deep. And I'm thinking, you know, and plus, if I move in, I mean, he I, I, I think he probably folds. Nick Shulman was in the commentary booth saying Phil needs to move in. Phil needs to move in. I disagree. But I, I can't just call either. So
0: Right. It's tricky, too, when the commentators can see the cards. Even Nick Schulman, world-class, one of the best players, announcers, same thing. Like it, it, there, There's more to it, right? It sometimes seems Nick's like, world-class,
1: oh, one of the best yeah. announcers, and a great player. Yeah. But I don't like the move-in line at all because right. it lets them fold a smaller flush. When I move in, generally right. means that I just have it. So right. I studied, and I'm like, God dang it. You know, there's only 30 seconds left on the clock here. Um, all right. I have to raise him. So I raised 40,000 and uh and then he started saying, "Oh my god, you have a king high flush." Music to my ears. You know, music to my ears.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's the best.
1: And I'm stunned and I'm like, "Yes, now I know I have not beat. Now just don't make a move because Antonio really truly is a world-class player and he'll pick up on anything you give him." So I'm just like this.
0: Right. Yep. One of the best I give him
1: nothing and he calls within 30 seconds and now I have a massive lead. But I'll tell you, the setup hand that came up earlier, JG, that, that won the match for me, is Antonio limped in. And, uh, and I raised it. I, I, made a, I raised, like, way over the size of the pot with 9-3 suit. Okay? Got me? Yeah.
0: Yep, 9-3 off, yeah.
1: It gets back to him. He makes it 18000 to go. And I'm like, I know. He, I mean, I think he has, like, ace rag. I, that was my thinking, and I can move in and take it away. I said, how much do you have left? Now, if you go back and watch this match, I used in the third match zero time banks, except for this one hand with 9-3 offsuit. So what's happened? He's limped in. I've raised over the size of the pot, and he's re-raised to 18000 So now I'm like, all right, I need a time bank. My instincts are moving, 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 moving. And it's just going, I'm going crazy in my mind. You got to move in, you got to move in, you got to move in. Right. And so finally, I throw in my first time bank, which means I took 30 seconds. And I'm thinking, I now have 59 seconds to think. And I'm thinking the whole time you have to move in, you have to move in, you have to move in, you have to move in. And finally, I, at the 59 second mark, I mean, I'm also thinking you're going to look like an idiot if you give him the chip lead with nine three offsuit. Mm-hmm. You have you're sitting on a he has one hundred and ten thousand. You have two ninety. Don't give it away like this. But I kept thinking he can't call. He can't call. He can't call. But don't give it away. Don't give it away. Don't. <laughs> so I fold it to 59 second mark. Do you have said, a, a big you call? He said, yes. And I said, I don't think you could call. And as time unfolded over the next hand or two, I told him I had 9-3 offsuit, which he believed and was true. I don't lie about hands when they're televised. Mm-hmm. I might um, – I might, yeah, I just basically just don't lie about hands when they're televised. I might insinuate something because that's part of the tactics of the game. Right. But it, it, it came to light that he had a 7 offsuit. And I said, there's no way you're – he said, I was calling you 100%. I said, I don't think you can call, bro. It's one thing to say you think I was weak. But I'm a right. youth. I always have it, and I don't think you can find the that hand's board.
0: also. Yeah, that hand doesn't do that well, even against your bluffs. Like if you have a, you know, whatever, your just doesn't do well. It Performs very badly. Eighteen
1: thousand, you know, he had in there, and maybe he does call it off for the last ninety-five thousand or whatever yeah. it was. Well, he might have called per- and may He might have called and then that might have given him the match.
0: But see, this is a perfect example of what I'm talking about in terms of GTO or not, because like when you play a heads-up strategy or a game, uh, you know. This is something like Wizards or GTO. So you're working in 9 3 off. Like there's hands, like bluff hands, and like people know sort of, all right, well, these hands, like there's just like a no equity. That's just like a stone cold spot reads point of the game to go for it. Because like you would someone say, oh, well, you should have at least 9 3 suited, or, you know, like you're just taking like literally any two spot there and picking it. Whereas like some people just say, well, no, you can't do that because that's not a one of the hands you should be four bet bluffing right so it's just like you have your own sort of formula that works for you and, it, and it's i mean yeah i mean phil what do you what what, what, what dude do you i
1: never three bet or four bet a pot and i studied for i studied for you know a minute and i studied for a minute and 29 seconds thinking about moving in the only time bank i used in the whole match with a nine and a three but i but i also knew what was going to happen later because Antonio is predictable in the fact that he never limps with ace queen, ace king, ace jack. He always raises with those hands. And so, because he, he's looking to play big pots. And so, but he started limping with ace rags. So I thought to myself, <clears throat> this could work out to my favor. I'm going to tell you two more hands from that match and we'll move on to high yeah. stakes poker. No, I love it. This is
0: great. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, so late in the match, he raises uh, with two red nines and I call with four seven of clubs. The blinds are 2,000, four th- two 4,000, I believe. I call, and the flop comes. Deuce of clubs. No, excuse me. Deuce of spades. Three of clubs, five of clubs. I flop a straight flush draw. I need a six of clubs for a straight flush. An open ender. Mm-hmm. And I have a seven as an overcard. I check, and he bets. And I'm thinking, man, uh, I, I'm you know everybody else moves in here. I uh, do. I want to gamble. And I thought... If he snap calls me with 10s or whatever, I'm going to be 55% or whatever, maybe 60. That's not good enough for me. I mean, let everybody else move in their stacks when they're small favorites. That's not good enough for me. So I called. Now the five paired and I checked and he bet like 15,000 into like 30,000. And I folded. And I just knew that was one where I knew the announcers would have called and the whole planet would have called. Everybody's calling there. No one's folding
0: yeah, the
1: 4-7 of clubs there. Right. No one. But I right. just thought, man, Antonio's so good. He could have an ace-high flush draw, in which case I'm basically dead. Or he could have a full house. He could have, like, deuces or threes here because he's never checking a full house behind. He's always betting it. And I thought, I'm just going to fold this hand. It took me the 29-second mark, and I folded. But I'm also aware that no one else folds that hand right. on the planet. Yeah, and you're... no one understands why I folded it, which is great for me. Right. I mean, I just feel like in some, some cases, it feels like the planet's still a little bit, even the great players are still a little bit behind in, their, in the way they game things out to me. And so I folded. In a cash game, am I folding? No. In a cash game, I might have just moved in on the flop. Uh, I'm never folding, ever. In most tournaments, I'm not folding. Right. But I just thought there might be a better spot.
0: And, and lo nine. and behold,
1: the better spot came, you know, within 10 hands. And this is the final hand of the match. where Antonio limped in and I'd been waiting. I knew if I overraised, he might put me on 9-3 again. So I overraise. He limps in for... Uh, I want to make sure the blinds are right. Yeah, I think we were playing 15 and 3, okay? Not two and four, okay. So I made it 10,000 more. And I just thought Antonio's going to perceive this as weakness. And he starts studying and studying. I have ace ton of diamonds. And I'm like, God, I need him to move in here. I need him to move in here. I need him to move in here. And I'm going like this. And I tried to give my best week tell, JG. Okay. I'll tell you what I did, um, but... I showed a bunch of my mouth, which I haven't done in years. If you look at me, I never show it.
0: Yeah, I don't see you showing and
1: it. And I thought, thats he's got to read this as weakness. He's a live player. He has to read this as weakness. Now, what really sucks is when you induce somebody to move in, and they somehow show you ace-jack, and you're like, oh, my God. So
0: <laughs> it's true, yeah.
1: he moves all in for 144000 and I snapped him. He said, I'm all in. I said, I call with ace-10. And now Nick Showman's about to say, oh, my God, Phil induced it. But, but they start talking in the booth. They never got around to that. Right. And I thought, wow, I played this hand so beautifully. I induced him to move in with ace three or whatever it was. Right. I got him to move in his whole stack with an ace and a three. And, you know, tight Phil, who folds ace ten all day, just – set that hand up and snap call. Well, it's, it's sort of like
0: your example you're talking about, just like in the world series where you fold, you like tank fold days 10 in a spot where like, it's sort of a snap and a fist pump And here, you know, you do snap and you're right. And then, so, I mean, it goes to your point, right? It's like, it, it's just, you got to be in tune of the game, the situation, the little things and, and go with your heart and go with your read. And, but it and, was the
1: setup of the nine three. I just knew later in the match, I was going to over raise with the hand and hopefully he would fall for it and move in. He did exactly that. I snapped it off. I mean, it was just so quick when you watch the video. And I didn't this, see that hand. I was about I'm to it. say, oh, my God, what happened? Phil just called, you know, uh, you know, almost 50 big blinds with an ace 10. That's completely not him. But I set it up that way. And, and so wow. but now, of course, I could still lose. Right. And now I'm like, oh, God, don't give him a three. But I've been through this before. Chris Ferguson once hit a deuce and made it cost me the NBC heads up championship. And I got him. I won it later. Um, He once hit a nine on me on the river. He had a four outer for me to win the title. He hit it. He had a two outer with one to come. He hit that. And both times I just sat down and counted my chips because you can't. The first time I fell on the floor, which was great television. (laughs) And the second time I just counted the chips. So in this case, I'm like, all right, he's likely to hit a three here. So here's the hundred. And I counted it out. I was well, everybody else was, you know, talking and getting ready to spread the cards. I counted out the hundred and, and I put it in the pot and I said, OK, that's not my money now. What? So I looked down. I said, what do I have left? OK, you this still on uh, the ace you
0: know, 10 to ace three hand or before we are talking about yeah so you, yeah. you were ready to lose that hand you had put it in and you you thought you might lose you just counted out and you were ready for that if it had to Yeah, of
1: course because because these things happen you know? right and it's it's not about you know at the end of time what am i going to do am i going to be talking five years about how and how i got had antonio he had ace three and i had ace ten i might mention it to two or three people but nobody cares right. Antonio you know? would have won yeah you know whatever it's not that nobody cares Right. What, what they, so, so I can't think that way. I don't want a story. I want a title. Right. And so now I'm thinking, all right, I still have, if, if he wins this hand, I still have, you know, 112,000 left or whatever. I'm looking at this thinking, think, okay, I still have a chance. I mean, it's fine. You know, uh, the blinds are 15, three, um, you know, and you're starting to, you know, you don't want to go crazy. Right. Antonio, of course, playing his game, gets up and says, Nice game. Takes it, yeah, he puts the coat early. on
0: his, per, his man purse thing and, and is out, and like, you know, I know his whole stick. He does it all the time. And tries
1: to shake my hand early for the third match in a row. He got it in bad. And I didn't shake his hand the other two times. He comes over to shake my hand early. You yeah. can't accept that. I mean, right. there's, you know, you look back at the Masters Golf Tournament where they told Arnold Palmer he'd won and he blew up the last three holes. I mean, you cannot accept early victory. When the victory's there, great take it. Not over till it's over. Accept it.
0: Similar to the election, Phil. The election is exciting to talk about as well. It's never over. We that all will be know our why. next
1: thing. But anyway, I'm watching the cards come down, and it comes ace, jack, eight, and then a queen. And Antonio left the room, I think. Now he's come back, and now he's shouting for an eight for a tie. Eight, eight, eight. And I'm just like, oh.
0: It chops the worst when you're like a big down, not like the ace two to ace six, but like the ace, you know, ten strong versus a weak ace. When it chops, it's it feels like a loss as well. It's been, of course, it does. By
1: the way, I got the board wrong. It was ace king jack eight. Okay, so So yeah, he got an Ace king eight, and then a jack. And so he's shouting for an eight. You know, a jack ties, a king ties, and uh, luckily the river was a seven, and I had a title you know, and I'm just like, yes. And, you know, and it felt really good because I mean, I played that last hand, you know, it was a setup from previously and I'm, I was proud of that hand. So now I've won that. So now I'm in Vegas and, uh, and, uh, and, and now I know that I have to film, it's called a Wednesday night. And now I know I have to film high stakes poker on Tuesday. And so I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so tired because when you play for 400,000, <coughs> you know, um that was the one I think that was the one where I was flipped out on the way in where I was I was almost shaking because I kept thinking about how much money. I never go act like this, JG, but I was lying on the floor ten months before the match, just freaked out, trying to listen to music, you know, don't have any panic attacks, you know, all this stuff. And then when I sit at the table and Nick Schuman's interviewing us, I'm calm and I feel good. But I know that I'm jittery, I know that I haven't slept much, I know all this. And I make the decision. I call my wife I said, honey, I just can't fly home. I just need the weekend to rest because we're going to risk another 400000 next week. And I want it to be 100% of our money. I always sell pieces. And so she's like, you know what? Sounds like you need to rest. I said, why don't you fly to Vegas? No. <laughs> no chance. Okay, honey, whatever. And so, <laughs> and so, you know, so what was supposed to be a five day trip to Vegas. Now, all of a sudden, I'm going to be there 16, 17 days. And so, you know, just resting and getting ready for Tuesday. Uh, and you know, watching my football in my room on um, Saturday and Sunday. Aria, of
0: course, right? You're an Aria. It's not like yep, it's, uh, it's yep, a nice yep. place to be. It is a nice place to be. Uh, two things I want to touch on. First, explain the format double double, you win the third. Now, so you have to play three. To che- that is the rule. You have to accept three. Is that how it works? Can you talk to me? And more? I
1: told them that if I won, I was done. So I was going to take the 400000 and put it in the bank. So that money went into the Aria bank. I think I tip 5,000, which is a huge amount these days compared to what everybody else tips. Um, But, you know, that's, you know, I'm one of the biggest tippers for the dealers in this on the floor staff in history. I
0: can confirm um, that. So I tip
1: five k, and they're like, that's so generous. A lot of the kids are tipping a lot less than that.
0: Abundance. That's the way to live. live that. in abundance, pay it forward, be generous. The good things come. I, I love that. And so you win that. And what, so now what is Antonio? Like is who has the throne? Like, are you going to so play? So then him? they asked
1: me, they said, will you accept Phil Ivy as your next challenge? And I said, yes. Or will you accept Tom Dwan as your next challenge? And I said, yes. So whichever one happens to be in town at the time will play me. I think, I think I think it's Duane and I for the next round. Tom Duan and I. Wow. Which will be great television. Uh, you know, he and I have a history too of I think it was the two thousand seven NBC Heads Up Championships where he beat me in the first round. I had aces, he had tens, and I had some words for him afterwards and but I mean honestly, Tom Duan and I have drank together, we've hung out together, we've played high stakes poker together, we've been to the craps table together. Uh, Baccarat sure. table together. Legendary
0: name. That'll no no question. That's going to be uh, th- this format. Obviously works. And I do want to cover about talk about high stakes poker. But just le- staying on this subject, of format. We saw another exciting heads up. They called it duel for you and Antonio. Now we had the feud between. Uh, Daniel Negreanu and uh, Doug Polk, which is, this has been years coming. You know, I know you're in the Negreanu camp. Um, You and Daniel know each other, been from the, you know, from the get go of poker and and a very good friend of yours, very good friend of mine also been on the podcast and and just a great guy. And it's exciting. Now I saw from what I saw very little, but they were, and I predicted this, I had a feeling this would happen. Like I know both of them. And I think fundamentally, like they're just like, not they're smart, intelligent guys, and they have a little bit of a beef. There's a little whatever. They've gone at each other. It's been pretty intense. But like I actually saw this whole thing play out. Like I really saw them like, you know, almost like it looked like they were best friends. Like they were talking. It was very cordial. And, and it wasn't much of a feud. Did you Although, watch the I- whole thing? I did not. I saw very, you know, Phil, I got an 18 month old and I'm trying to survive just day, day by day. It's a miracle to get up and. Dude, get you're too fun. busy. Yeah, you I, I too have busy. not seen it. I saw part of it. I was tuning in. I had it on the side. I watched a little bit. So I, I watched. Did,
1: so, yeah. so I didn't watch it live. Uh, now, Daniel Negreanu, um, Mike Matisau, I bet 15,000 on Negreanu at four to one to win right yeah. with Doug Polk. Yeah, And Doug poked filmed with me in High Stakes Poker last week. He made the best laydown I've seen in three years. When we get to that, when we start talking about High wow. Stakes Poker, we'll shift gears and talk about some of the crazy things that happened there okay. and how much fun was was what we had. But for now, we're talking uh, about the Negreanu. So I was just literally watching the hand two minutes before I called you. So I watched last night hands 50 through 200. And then I watched hands, uh, I was up to hand 10 or 11, um when 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 i had to come on live with you so right when we're done with someone to watch the rest of them when you
0: got That's to cool. come on live phil you got to come on this wasn't a had to this is a want right you said and i had to come on phil you this is good you're, you're we're excited to be here phil come on
1: no i agree i agree it's but but i'm just saying yeah, i didn't I'm mean hard. to spin that in any negative way i'm giving
0: like, you a hard time phil your your book i got i got a post here it. for your positivity i'm just saying you know like let's just get our verbiage right phil right bring there. it we're
1: bring hard. it Bring it, JG. Yeah, come on, You got me, and you're right, by the way. Now shut up and let's move on.
0: (laughs) Give me a hard time. Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: (laughs) So, I mean, I watched the match. Uh, I thought Daniel played excellent poker. Um, I think that, you know, uh, I will send a text to Daniel after I'm done with you and after I watch the rest of the match with some observations about his match. Not that Daniel necessarily has a a tremendous amount of respect uh, about the way I play, play poker, he does know I'm one of the all-time greats. Um, I did notice something that I'm going to tell him because because um, I bet fifteen thousand dollars on him. Listen, my biggest sports bet every year is ten k, and that's on NFL futures. And I've won that bet eight years in a row. Um, I have Miami to win six games. So that's my so now they're four and three, which was which is crazy. When they were one and three, I was a little worried. And I also bet Tampa Bay to win nine and a half games for five k. And my regular sports betting is about a thousand a game, which I I seem to not do as well in. Um, but this year, if you look at my pick of the week on my Twitter, I'm saw, five two and five, one.
0: Yeah, it's pretty strong. You definitely yeah. seem to, have to be dialed into that. I was it's- five
1: one and one, but then everything I picked last. Even you know how you sometimes it comes down to two or three games. All three games I would have picked last week is my pick of the week lost. So sometimes well. you're like, oh, I knew this was the pick of the week. Yeah, some randomness in the NFL, but I've really been thinking a lot, watching six games a week, trying to give the public a great pick um, because I'm going to be involved in some sports betting sites uh, soon. Uh, you might find me being the face of the big sports betting empire soon will be announced so oh, really working on the sports. I bet. saw
0: that, Phil. I Phil, I'm too dialed in. I knew that I saw your pick of the week stuff and going on. I, I saw this coming, but this is this is uh I think it's a good fit. And it's great that sports is getting legalized at a federal level and gonna be state by state because it's just crazy, right? Like people betting across the world, you want to bet a little bit and have some fun. Like, listen, you can't if people want to bet, they're betting. That's the crazy thing, right? Like it's like you're not yeah. this isn't rocket science. Like if someone wants to bet a game, they have a local bookie or they find a way to bet. You're not really uh, you're just losing money for the taxpayers. And it's, it's about time. America's getting with the times. So election, we got to cover too, Phil. We got a lot to cover. So I do want to say the Negranu uh, Polk, you got I know who you bet on last night I did see the outcome. I did see some of the highlight hands. Um, Daniel looked dialed in. I saw a few people. It's funny. Cause I was on a call with Bill Perkins yesterday who also was betting heavy Daniel camp. And I know the coaches Daniel's working with that. For some reason they don't want to talk about it. Allude to, I know the people he's he, his camp and definitely very sharp know what they're doing. And you know, Daniel's a smart guy too. It's not like you're picking a guy off the street. You know, Daniel is going to be studying GTO studying heads up. Like he's he can, I'm sure apply it pretty quickly. So I, you know, I like it at that price. I do. I think four to one, it's like, Dude,
1: I will be honest with you. I like Daniel at four to one if he didn't study anything because right. he just has so much talent.
0: That's exactly. And in so, fact,
1: I was a little bit like, I'm I guess I, I run, I'm contrary, contrarian to everybody else in the sense that I think Daniel had all the skills he needed already. Now I do think he needed a little work heads up. So I'm glad he put it in. Right. But I, I don't want him to be overcoached. Right. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. No, it's, um, you know,
1: yeah. He did some strange things. He put in a lot of three bets, which one of those three bets, if he tried it against me, I think I would have I would have just moved all in on and, am and, and won a big pot. Uh, you know. The King uh,
0: Nine Ace Queen? Yeah. Yeah, I saw that one. I did see that hand. I saw the six ten of clubs and when queen somebody
1: Jack. four bets you uh, for ten K and you have fifty K, okay, or eleven K or twelve, whatever it was, that's an opportunity to look at them. And I think Doug had has pretty good reads, and I'll tell you the hand he and I played last week. Yeah, eventually um, in a minute. Dogs. But well, I mean, like he, I saw him hesitating. Like he seemed to know when Daniel was weak and strong, and uh, he almost moved in there. And if he moves in there, I think the whole match is different. So Daniel left himself vulnerable to be moved in on, you know, by you know when he had king nine offsuit. Uh, yeah, and he ended up following
0: through on a on a I think it was a Jack ten board. He yeah, a, a you could hand and,
1: Great, but I'd like to see like if he's playing me, I might have just I mean, I'd like to have found the move in button before the flop. Right, uh,
0: Ace Queen's zipping. a tricky one to play. It's also one of those not really. It's like so strong, but it's not really a trapping kind of hand. It's so not. It's, a, it's
1: not a tournament. You have rebuys in these things, and you know Doug's going to see that Daniel exposed his exposed himself too too much with King King nine. And so, you know, but you know, whatever. I mean, Daniel said afterwards, he he invoked my name afterwards and said Phil would not approve of this hand. And he's right.
0: <laughs> yeah, well there you go. So again, I don't want to spend too much time on that, but it is exciting. We all, you know, we know these guys very well, and these are two huge names, and they do have a sort of a a tiff, but it did look like they sort of were working it out. And I, I think this was this is good too. It's also good to see, you know, I, I I'll say this. I play on Twitch, I play with a lot of people. Uh, a poker and and there's times where you get. I mean, you, it's also good to have a little rivalry, a little bit of like you got to kind of want to go at someone. If you're just playing buddy buddy with everyone too, it's not as you know. It makes it a little more fun when there's a little extra zoom on there. But it's also you nice know, beefs and
1: rap do well. You know, the rappers that are beefing with each other, they yeah, all seem to. Benefit. But it,
0: it's also good to see guys that can kind of like hash it out a bit, and they're like, all right, like hey, you know. I don't agree with you on certain things. I don't like certain things you do, but, you know, I'm not just like set in stone and you're a bad person or I'm not, you know, I'm just going to hate you like unconditionally, no matter what. It's kind of nice to see these guys, at least from the time being, they look like they were very cordial and having even fun and
1: chatting. And it was, yeah, I agree. I thought that was great for poker. You have two guys that have been beefing each beefing for a long time. Doug's really gone after Daniel. And when they sat down to play, they were super nice to each other, super cordial, laughing and joking. It looked like they were going to uh, to dinner afterwards, you know, yeah. which I think is actually good for poker. I'm with you. On it's that. great.
0: No, I think it's great. And although some people, of course, people love uh, drama. They love to see. They would love to see like well, a. Well, the ball. drama
1: got people watching it.
0: Yes, exactly. Um, all right. Let's let's cover as well. I want to talk high stakes poker quickly, the election, because you've been active about the betting. You've shown the lines, you know, that night, the first night Trump looked like he was all of a sudden running away. He was a massive dog. I think he hopped up to like, you know, minus six, seven hundred, seven 700, seventy five even. And it looked like it was a, it was almost a wrap. People very confident. Matt Glantz on the other side, some of these other guys that are were saying Trump is a full or a, uh, Biden's a stone lock the whole way they look sick. there was a really nice coverage show. I know you were doing one with Shamoff and some others that night. And also I was checking in on Brian Mike they had a really cool set. I did
1: that one too, for about a half an hour. Yeah. Those
0: really, shows. really nicely. Like that was actually what I, I was streaming, but I was sweating that. Cause like I could see the percentages and they, they did a great job. And it's just so people are so, proud about politics and like when it comes to religion politics people are so opinionated like they're just blind like tunnel vision at all times this guy's gonna win this guy's gonna win super action so much money's being bet on this election state by state You know, it's insane action right now even right now it looks like it's over but then there's still like trump's a wild card recount 5.5 5 to 1 is it, right
1: before i got on the show 25 to 1 Five point five to one. Oh,
0: I was going to say, I didn't know. Twenty five to one is basically a curtain call, but uh, five and a half. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, who knows? Like, who really knows what's going on? What's your take? So five and a half to one. You like it. What do you think the odds really
1: are? So in 2016 election, uh, the street dot com came to me and they said, hey, uh," they said, hey, can you write an article about lags for us? Loose, aggressive players. We think Trump's a lag. So I wrote an article differently than they wanted, and then I wrote another article. and So I wrote four or five articles for thestreet.com. So if you go to thestreet.com and you put in Phil Helm Youth, you'll see my articles. Millions of people read my articles, and I thought, wow, this is pretty cool. All of a sudden, I'm considered an expert on presidential politics, because I wrote five articles on how Trump won, which, you know, Matt, Matt Glantz gave me a nice compliment. He said, Phil, you were super sharp. You know, he said he couldn't believe it. Yeah, there it is. Yep. Okay. So those articles I wrote were, were observations I had on how Trump was doing it, and one was I accused him. And I'm in, in the neutral. I'm in the middle
0: politically. Right. Yeah, I'm Newton But I,
1: so I, I pointed out to people that he was using playground. Ta- I called it playground tactics. Okay. And uh, and labeling people. And when I saw Ted Cruz, I thought liar. When I saw Jeb Bush, I thought low energy. Trump did that to me and I'm a very very strong individual um who's not easily diluted and so I was like all right so I wrote that article about playground tactics people really liked that um I wrote another one about how talking about the history of the presidential races how all these people had harpoon moments what's a harpoon moment a harpoon moment was you know was uh, was gary hart who was 87% to win the presidency Saying, oh, well, if you think I'm cheating on my wife, why don't you follow me around with cameras? Well, they did. And they caught him. And he lost the election. This was a lock to be our next president.
0: Gary. When was this?
1: Call it 1987. Okay. I'd have to look. But he wow. was a lock.
0: I don't even and know that so, name. So
1: okay. uh, there's a movie about his, his life recently that um, I think the, um, that the, whoever the X-Men guy played him. Who's that? Who, who stars as the X-Men?
0: Hugh Jackman. Now, who stars as Wolverine? Hugh Jackman.
1: Hugh Jackman stars as as him. It's an interesting movie. But I pointed out in my article that Gary Hart was the first one with a harpoon moment. Another one before your time is when Dukakis was debating George Bush Sr. And they said, what would you do if you're, if you're, there it is, the front runner.
0: Is, it, was it, is this new? I don't know. This in 2018? Yeah. Wow. I got to see this. That's Okay.
1: Yeah, Gary Hart, man. I mean, he was the next president. I mean, he was his, his numbers were up. So, this, so then Dukakis is debating George Bush, and they say, "Hey, if someone raped your wife and killed her, and you found him, what would you do?" And Bush said, "I'd kill him." And Dukakis was trying to be, you know, uh, I don't know, PC, and that moment cost him the election because people like, "Wow, you would let your wife get, you know," and so we have throughout history people have harpoon moments. Well, Trump had a harpoon moment where he said he came right out the box and said, all these Mexicans are rapists and murderers. And that was his harpoon moment. His campaign should have been gone. He should have been done. But he did something no one else has done before. He doubled down on that claim, never backed off. And, uh, and so I was pointing out to people that all these in, his, in the history of politics, all these people have, har- have had harpoon moments, but Trump somehow survived his and doubled down on it and then actually won. So those are just two of the articles I wrote. So I love presidential politics. I saw a bunch of stuff this year, and but I didn't I, I didn't I lost I lost contact with the people at the street.com or I would have written three more articles because I was seeing things and generally speaking my observations are very interesting to my group of people and and then they're very interesting to the world because you know I kind of spotlight what I see and people are like, that's right. And so so anyway, I did some, you know, live tweeting about the odds, and you know, as you know, um, it started. It started with a, you know, Biden about minus $1.80, and then he went all the way to minus a Then he came back up to a dollar minus a dollar fifty, and then all of a sudden, at eight thirty at night, in the Pacific, out here in you know eleven thirty Eastern, Trump was exactly even with him. And I thought to myself, I've seen this movie before. And then all of a sudden Trump, Trump was, a was minus 600 favorite. at one moment, wasn't he, or minus minus, Yeah, yeah let me continue my story. Yeah. Then he was three to one favorite, two to one favorite. Then he was three to one favorite. Then he was four to one favorite. Then he was five to one yeah. favorite. And it may have gone, J.G., did you say you saw it at seven?
0: I, I mean, I saw like a on Odd Sharks on uh, it was like minus 700 or minus 770. Yeah. Actually, Bobada, ACR, like or on there, they had it like minus 775 for a moment, I thought, or something like that. Right.
1: And, and then when Biden came on and spoke and said, I'm confident in our position, I thought just another politician who's bluffing. I'm confident in our position. What is he talking about? He's lost the election. And, you know, you saw Jason Mercier, um, empire maker. Who's Empire Maker?
0: The 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 uh, he's like a, a very famous uh, daily fantasy player. Better, very poker player.
1: player, ex-poker player. Yeah,
0: I think he used to play cards too. Yeah.
1: So he said, "I'll take, I'll lay anybody in the world two to one if you want to bet on Trump." So Jason Mercier, I bet, I heard bet four hundred thousand. snapped it. and then all of a sudden, Mercier became seven to one favorite from two to one underdog for four hundred thousand. I assume he laid it off. And then as I'm watching, it gets to maybe be 11 o'clock out here, Liv Bree posts something and she says, I'll take Biden at three to one. And I thought, oh my God. So Liv's saying something, like the really, really smart people. Billions of dollars can be made on political betting. And the really smart people, of which Liv is one of them, understood that the people that had voted first and were roughly 80% Biden, their votes were being counted Last
0: right, well, there, and there was, so
1: and now yeah. we all know this. We've watched it all unfold. I watched till seven a.m. Eastern time the coverage, and uh, and you know it looks like Biden's our next president. But you know, so live uh, said I'll take three to one on Biden. I think she got action. She wanted thirty thousand to ninety thousand. She looks like a genius. Jason mercy looks like a genius if he just laid off. It's not hard to lay off if you bet four hundred thousand. If that bet got down, and I think it did. 400 to win 800 on Trump. Now all he has to do is bet, you know, 100,000 the other way, and he's going to either win 800,000 or 300,000. So I don't know what Mercier ended up doing, but, but, uh, but I mean, yeah. you know, I- it, 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 a lot of money's being bet on the elections, and generally speaking, the odds don't mean it. this. All the bullshit that they showed on CNN—they were so far behind. They're talking about Flor—we can't call Florida yet. And I'm looking at an odd site saying, Florida, if you want to bet Biden on Florida, you can get 10 to 1 right now. So I'm like, why is CNN an hour or two behind? Why are the networks an hour or two behind the really sharp people on the planet who are betting? So I will, you know, forever, every time there's a presidential election, I will be dialed into these sites watching the real numbers. Right. You know, I mean, they were four hours ahead of CNN. CNN.
0: Huge margins, huge margins later. (laughs) There was a burn. uh, Basically, I saw a clip from uh, Jimmy Kimmel and um, who was the guy Bernie Sanders basically explain it. It makes sense. Like it's sort of like, yeah, these votes like that, the mail in ballots, they're large numbers and more Democrat. That's the way. And this is he basically called it. And other people are talking about this. Trump would come on, have a big lead, declare he's the winner basically say it's over. And then like now there's a, and now it looks like a huge controversy because it's like, Oh, it all? so now it's like hard to know what to believe. And then
1: I course- don't even think it's a controversy. I, I think that Trump understands that he's lost. I think that, you know, yeah, he might still be stop. I, 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 he posted something like stop the voting, right? Stop the counts or something. Right.
0: But keep counting in Arizona because he's behind.
1: Right. I think what's going to happen is Trump's going to concede um, uh, today or tomorrow. And I think he's going to run in 2024. And uh, a lot of my friends think that Trump would have won on the landslide, except for all those mail in ballots, because most Democrats don't vote. And because of because there were so many mail in ballots, um, you know, w- you know, I think Trump would have won it in the landslide, except for all these mail in ballots. And, But not only do I think that all of my really smart friends believe that's the case. So. You know, and then that causes another issue. You know, oh, my wife was my wife was in tears um, because she's you know, she feels like Trump's a little misogynistic. And so, um, you know, and then and then she went to bed at midnight. And when she woke up at five in the morning or whatever, I'm like, oh, by the way, um, it looks like Biden's a favorite. Again. <laughs> <Big> <laughs> now, I'm more in the middle politically than my wife. I mean, I understand that, you know, I, I'm just I think I think I consider myself reasonable. Yeah. Anybody, Any person on the planet um, that thinks that, like, say Trump did 900 things, J.G., and uh, you know, anybody, that's, that anybody that can't admit he's done 50 good things, I can't even have a discussion with. Right. You Not can right tell sure. me if you want uh, you know, that he's perceived as racist. You can tell me if you want that he's been divisive for the country. You can tell me if you want that he's been perceived as misogynistic. You can tell me all these things. I'll agree, but if you're if you're a reasonable person, you understand that he did fifty good things out of nine hundred decisions at least. Uh, because you're reasonable, but it's you know, um, but I, I keep running into these people that claim he did zero good things. Well, and
0: religion and know. politics are too like those aren't good poker table conversations generally, right? People No, are,
1: people are too stuck in the emotion yes, um,
0: one or the other. And in one way, it's they all they can't only be right reasonable,
1: right. they can't be logical, they can't admit Pretty that rational. he's done a few good things.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm we're on this. We're pretty much in the exact same spot. Same thing, though, just like with betting. There are times where if you tell me the certain price on Trump or whatever, like I, I think it's, it was going to be pretty close. And if you get if you get laid the right price in the right spot, like it doesn't mean I like I'm, I like Trump or like Biden. It's like, all right, well, at this price, like I feel it's a good bet, like, uh, you know, end of the day. Now,
1: Dude, I, think ahead. about this, Jeff. Think about this. If you wanted to start a business to try to make a couple hundred million dollars betting on presidential politics. I believe someone's already done that, but they didn't tell anybody because the polling is so far off. Right. Mm -hmm. And and I think that there's a huge opportunity to make a lot of money. And with the swings where you could bet Biden now at five point five to one minus five point five to one. And yet 24 hours ago or whenever it was, you could bet the other way at minus. 5.5 5 to 1. That's tremendous opportunity Huge to make spread. a lot of money Huge betting. It, and it, 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 it somebody's going to come up with this and do this.
0: Yeah. But no, and, and I'm, make,
1: not, uh, I'm not pro-Republican. I'm not pro-Democrat. I really am in the middle. But I'd I, like to consider myself the R party and by the not Republican, reasonable.
0: Right. Well, the R
1: E a- party, reasonable.
0: <laughs> I love it. I, I think R E A
1: S party. That's me. I the think least. it's
0: also very important as American citizens, and with that we do have democracy. We are, you know, we had to do a lot of things right. politics are a little, you know, corrupt worldwide. Like you could argue all this stuff and say it's not not great. But it's important also, I think, to to embrace and and respect and and give your support to to whoever wins. You know, I'd like we're, people talking about maybe civil war and all this other stuff and crazy and these different movements and Antifa and Black Lives Matters, all these different things. I mean, this is not this is important. Like I think for people to be able to accept the winner and embrace them and say, okay, look, didn't go exactly wanted. Let's give them a chance. Let's support yeah. them. Let's be positive. And
1: I was and- a little disappointed. I was a little disappointed when Trump won uh, at the reaction by some of the Democrats and, and uh, you know, that, that was a little disappointing for me, but again, I just didn't feel like it's fine to have some protests, but I think I heard some people go really crazy. It's fine to have protests and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, you know, I, I, like I said, I'm in the middle politically. And, and, and you know, and, and I guess it's in my nature to try to see the good in in everyone. For Sometimes sure. It's harder. Well, let, let's talk quickly about what that
0: means and, and what you believe it means, whether Biden or Trump wins at this point. It is significantly I, get, I think the numbers at this point, there's less room. Right. It's like er, night one votes are coming in. The, the odds are shifted. at this point. That's like a pretty firm line. I mean, like it's going to it takes something. That's going to happen. There's only a few events now that can can change the, the, the course of the odds. So, I mean, it does appear Biden will be president. Let's just focus on that. We had Trump and off. Sorry. What does Biden mean for poker? Do you believe there's a shift in gaming, gambling, online gaming? If Biden wins, does that maybe help poker? I mean, I remember
1: that Donald Trump was trying to start the first he believed in poker in 1996 and yeah. filmed. And, you know, there's a there's a clip of him commenting on Donald Trump commenting on Phil Helmuth at a poker table with three players left and asking questions. So that, that clip exists. You go to YouTube and Phil help me with Donald Trump. Okay. Um, and so I, I, think that, you know, and then, you know, my agent, uh, came to me and said, Trump wants you to be the, you know, uh, wants you to be, uh, the face behind him of his poker, his online poker site. So I think Trump was pro poker, Right, but never had a chance to get anything done there. Well, he's also, but I mean,
0: he, with Sheldon Adelson on on stuff, and I think Sheldon Adelson gave him like 25 million for his campaign. Sheldon Adelson, the biggest um, adversary to, or uh, the biggest, you know, he's the one trying to stop online
1: Sheldon oh. Adelson, I don't know if people don't know this, but Sheldon Adelson has single-handedly stopped online poker.
0: Exactly. I think people, people don't
1: understand that. They, they right. think I'm and lying.
0: He's selling uh, Venetian or the Sands, I believe. They're trying to or maybe doing that right now. So, you know, I don't know. But I so I kind of feels like I think Biden in terms of uh, net-net for, for poker might be a good thing. And, and, and truthfully, it just makes sense with covid with things closed and with taxes and online gate, all these things, it just seems like kind of a, a no brainer. If people, if you look at what are some quick ways, you know, Michigan passed, uh, they're going to have it. Pennsylvania passed. Biden's from Pennsylvania, uh, I think his home, home, whatever, and Democrats are generally more favorable, I think, for that type of stuff. So, like, I don't know, I just, it just seems like there could be a, a change. And you know, they look quickly, what could we do fast that would bring in more tax revenue? You know, legalizing online poker, which already could sort of piggyback on the sports at a legal federal level. It just seems sort of obvious, but maybe still, it's too hard and complicated and could take years. But I don't know, I think that could be better for poker, most likely. It would be pretty I, cool I, if
1: we could start it in California and. Uh, Uh, You know, I probably um, should have gotten some time with Newsome. He and I were at some parties together uh, a few years ago, and I just didn't really, you know. um, But anyway, um, I mean, I think California, I mean, I will tell you this much. If California ever legalizes poker, they're going to make a ton of revenue, and they're going to be an absolute ton of poker professionals that move to California.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it, I think California was the third. Bigger large- than
1: Italy. California is bigger than Italy. It,
0: it, it was the third largest market overall of any country, or something. Some crazy stat back when it was the you know legal U.S. Like that. That alone was like it's enough for us. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just massive. So um, that'll be interesting. Let's talk uh, before we. I want to make sure we get to questions, Phil. We've got a record amount of questions, and we're not going to be able to get to all of those. But you guys can ask a, a question on Twitter. Um, if you go to my pin tweet, you can see we're giving away hundred eleven dollar ticket at the end of the show you can ask a question you will be eligible and we've got almost 140 that is a record for this 101 podcast we're over 100 now this is 101 we got phil here and you guys can ask a question we'll take some time and do that coming up here shortly Jeff,
1: you want to hear my lineup for high stakes poker on yes that's what i was asking
0: let's talk high stakes poker before we uh we move forward yes give me a give me the give me the rundown
1: i thought this was the toughest lineup in history okay no and that's a that's a big statement Tom Dwan, Phil Ivey, um, uh, Ben Lamb, Jason Kuhn, okay. Brandon Adams, and Phil Helmuth. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's... I was just like, what is going on here? And I will say this. I did talk to Mike Madison, although I would never ask him. I would never talk to him and speculate on strategies for heads up. He and I do talk No Limit Hold'em a lot.
0: He's won the NBC Heads Up, right? I mean, you get he's...
1: I know, but he's just he, I mean. Okay. okay. Well, enough. you can give him credit for that. I won't. All but, right. um, you know. Um, I got it. I'm with Mikey you. is Mikey. But when it comes to No Limit Hold'em cash games, we've been talking about it on the phone almost every day since February because I've played, you know, five months straight online. I picked up, like, a little less than a million. Um, but maybe seven, eight hundred, 700. But anyway, um, and I stopped playing August 1st. I was just like, ah, screw it. I haven't been able to motivate myself. And I think to myself, I'm a big favorite to make 30,000 a week and I can't get myself motivated to show up. But anyway, to go to this lineup, I predicted that it would be the tightest lineup in history. All these great players. And it was, you know, because, all the great players have figured out that, you know what? You have to play poker tight. You have to play tight. Right. And so, yeah, it's so like so premier League.
0: Was, we both played, you played numerous premier leagues. I think the one I played the, the last one you were supposed to, and you didn't make it to Montreal and someone filled in for you uh, last minute. But yeah, I mean, I was playing super, it's like sit and go strategy, playing very tight in that. And it's uh, it is, I mean, it's, it's sort of the right way to play, especially in that format. And people are, it's not necessarily what people want to see. They want to see three betting, four betting crazy. Yes crazy stuff you know they want to see wild plays and aggressive maneuvers but um you know it was a
1: slow start for poker after dark but i will tell you this it was the conversation was amazing and there were some interesting pots now i heard that and and i think they judge a show by they film eight hours and they judge how many high stakes poker shows we get out of it now if it's poker after dark they'll use all of it because they like the conversations but when it comes to high stakes poker now, they only got one episode from Tuesday. Now, Wednesday, two, now, I heard Wednesday they got five episodes where everybody went crazy. Wow. Um, a new player lit a quarter million on fire. Wow. But, I mean, so I think that, you know, the rest of the week, uh, the games were much better. And I played with Dwan again and Ivy again Friday and Saturday. And Dwan was back to playing 40% of the hands. And, you know, and then the last day, Rick... Rick hopped into the game. Yep. Rick Solomon. Always good. And I said this and I'll say it again. There's only about three people in the whole world that can play 30, 40% of the hands in no limit and turn a healthy profit. And I want to play against those three every day personally, because I know how to, how to play them. But Tom Dwan and Rick Solomon are two of those guys. They can play a ton of hands and win all the money. Right. And, uh, and Tom, was on fire now i mean i i think he ran really 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 good but he was on fire friday and saturday he was playing all the hands and uh and you know i was frustrated um for the week i won money okay i'd I'd won 20 i'd won 25 out of 26 cash games i'd filmed and this week i had two losing sessions but at the end i won money i won money for the week but uh i i wanted to have more hands especially against tom Because you know he was playing so many hands, and that's the style that I crush. Usually, my tens are going to crush the four six suited, and usually for some real money.
0: Right. Nice. So it was fun, though. It was great. The show, the show's back. Good footage, good coverage. That'll come out. And uh, you are, are you? Pretty? Is that going to be? Is that? I actually had a question about this. Are they the feud and the duel? You guys using high high profile names. You know, you've been a part of it. The, the one with Antonio, the, the NBC heads up was always so fun to watch. It was a 25 K buy-in. What do you think about poker go? And now like people are kind of back in the area. Like it's sort of like, the, it was successful. You're seeing how much engagement viewership this is getting. Do you think uh, there's a, there, there's... I get
1: pissed off at people that, that slam poker go. They say, Oh my God, I paid $10 a month. And now they showed high stakes duel on some other platforms for free. And I'm like, the, I mean, kerry katz has invested like 25 million dollars of his own money into poker go right you know all these commentators are getting paid you know and i mean it's just i mean it's just not easy to put on these to give this amazing content to poker players and then people complain if you want to support poker um i mean i think the best way is to watch poker go I, i do get paid from poker go too but if I wasn't getting paid, I would say you need to we need to support poker. Go. It's ten dollars a month and you have a library. You can watch all of the World Series of poker, all the high, all the stuff in history. It's like Netflix. You can. There's literally thousands of hours of poker content.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. On
1: poker Go. Really we have new great. shows coming Um uh, we have high-stakes poker coming. We filmed five days of that. And to watch Tom Duan, it's kind of a beautiful thing. I give him credit. And Rick Solomon, and they're at the same table at the same time. It's fun. Those guys are fun, man. And so, you know, you're going to be able to watch all these episodes starting December 16th. You're going to be able to watch all these poker after darks. They're cut back into episode forms. They're not on television, only on Poker Go. Maybe in six months they'll be released on television. I don't know. But, I mean, I, I just wish that people... We're behind Poker Go, and you know what? It's probably one of those things where 98% of the people are behind Poker Go and love it, and right. and the two percent's whining about something or another.
0: Right. Well, it's yeah. People can find you know you can complain about anything if it's not if it's not perfect, but right? it's great. That's also nice. They put on YouTube and they showed that the, you know the the uh, so it's free and and some of the stuff. It also gets some advertising. that people then love it and they go and, and check it out. Um. All right. Well, Phil, the major things we covered uh, your 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 duel, with Daniel Doug. That's that's big news. The election is going on that's that's big poker after dark that's big i want to take questions i want to get a lot of there's a lot of them so i want to get some of those and also i just want to touch on some some business stuff that we have though coming up so i want to just look a couple things that we're involved with what do you yay we're on 10 plus businesses we confirmed 10 i think it's 12 pending maybe two more that we're both we well, let's go
1: through stuff. them individually okay i'm in luxon
0: yes that's a that's love maybe that the most company love
1: that. And and i deal. hear they're doing really really good Crushing. Um, but you see the updates i don't Yeah. But I believed in Rob Young uh, because he's a genius. Correct. Uh, Travel. is about to relaunch. Um, I use Travel. all the time, JG, um, until they took it down a a few months ago. Um, I used it all the time. I could. It's amazing.
0: It's a great product. And it's uh, it's I I hope we don't get in trouble. I mean, the launch date is coming uh, officially for the the revamp. It was Travel Smarter, Travel. obviously Eric Damier. Uh, behind it, guy. If you guys know Earthpix on Instagram, it's like 14 million plus him and uh, MySpace Tom. Um, the the but original. But bro, I mean,
1: I would go to Miami and I'd, I'd I'd Google four star hotel or five star hotel, and I saw prices you couldn't see anywhere else. And I was just, and I'd book it, and I'd just be. La- I remember my wife and I took the kids to Minneapolis. I booked three rooms for uh, seven days. For like eighteen hundred dollars at a really nice hotel, yeah. And so you know, I uh, you have to pay ten dollars a month to join. But it's actually it's-
0: five now. It's five a month, and it's not. It's it's coming back, and it's. Uh, I think it's going to be in the next two weeks officially launched. So kind of a spoiler, but whatever. Well, it's good. We're letting you guys know, and it is a you know Phil and I are involved, and it's. Uh, it's only five dollars a month now, which is even nicer, and it's literally one trip. You're gonna. It's like guaranteed if you do one trip in a year, you're gonna basically you know, just print off it. So that's, that is an exciting one. This, this one you got me in though. I got, we're kind of, we, we go back and forth. Some are mutual. You got me in
1: Travelaya. Yes. And then, uh, and then let's talk prize picks quickly because this is relevant for all the people that are watching who can't make bets in their state. This we're in 60% of the States. You can make parlay bets in 60% of the States with this. It's crazy. You can bet golf, football, basketball, Prize picks is a monster, man. And uh it's unbelievable that you can just bet par in California, I can I can make parlay picks. I don't like the I don't think they like it when I use the word bet. I can make parlay picks and put money on those picks. Like tonight I'll I'll, I'll bet this game. I'll bet Aaron Rodgers is gonna have a good game. So I'll I'll bet over on him. Give me something give me another play who
0: who we got. I'll make a play while we're here.
1: Okay. Uh, where's the, where's the, where's the, there is Devante Adams. I think he's going over. Okay. Now we got to pick an under. Yeah. Where that's how, like an under? Let me just explain how more. this is even
0: legal. You cannot have two players on the same team without uh, picking another. You have to make one over one under at least. And, uh, and so that's how it's legal. If you do two on the same team only, it's not, it's considered not if you do. So you could do two, three or four players. So you could do one more. We'd have to do one more and do an under and from another team actually.
1: Okay, let's go. Let's go under on um, uh, Mason Crosby. Where is he? And the only reason why is I don't think they're going to be kicking much.
0: Is he there? Over there? Okay. okay. You want to go yeah. under? We have to do another team then. We have to do a four. You want to do a four or three game?
1: Yeah, let's do four.
0: Okay. Oh man, Phil, you want to really go for it? That's hard. Four is hard. Okay. It's hard uh, to hit. But we're feeling lucky let's Go we're over a- on Robbie Gold. Robbie Gold over. Okay. Because
1: they so, will kick a lot tonight.
0: All right, we'll go over
1: okay place your bet uh, 50 bucks I, is enough i
0: actually have a free i have a free freebie so 14 for a free 50 phil it looks like they gave i got some stuff going on so i'm gonna Buyer, Let's see what it pays uh oh you have to use cannot contain qb wide receiver qb tight end or QB SB combinations let's okay
1: see- let's move on from prize picks the point yeah. is i'm gonna make a bet it's pretty about. cool you can see make bets very quickly on that site Yes, and uh, I guess we didn't do it right. But let's go to the next. Let's go to the next. Uh, the next company. Yeah, right there. Let's
0: get through these because we got a lot of questions. So that's number. So we got Prize Picks, Stake Kings, and and U-Stake We covered Endgame Talent, Stake Kings, and
1: UStake. I've made the customers at Stake King at, at Ustake, You know, one hundred and fifty thousand. So I mean, that's not exact. I mean, maybe it's one forty, but I don't know. I I've got a lot of money. It's over one fifty. Show us the next list there, JG. All
0: right, we got uh,
1: we got uh, Endgame Talent. Endgame Town is crushing it. Um, I mean they're going to be raising between 70 and 120 million. Go to Clash. That's that Clash that's we are crushing it with Clash. We're winning all kinds of esports contests. We have the best Brawl Stars team in the world.
0: I'm excited about this. I, this is one of my more recent just closings to come on so I brought is- you into Clash. Yes, I'll give you – that's yours. We'll put that in your column. We're kind of going pound for pound, but you get that one. Uh What else? Lasso. I think I brought you Lasso. You
1: brought me a Lasso. What a pick Lasso is. My God. Lasso. Cushing. Do you know who wears our socks every single day? Uh Harden? Cam Newton.
0: Cam Newton. Dude, I'm
1: not talking about for every game. Cam Newton wears the Lasso socks every – single day if you they go to cam newton's they can't answer, prevent
0: covid but they can do they can do it can do a lot Co- i mean the they, uh but yes they they are great socks i do wear them as well go
1: to so. go to cam newton's instagram and you'll see him jump not now
0: i won't yeah well I'll if go, you want
1: I'll, to go to it now but you could okay. there's a video of him jumping into a don't go now it's going to be too hard probably but we'll
0: just show yours I'll, we'll go you can go to cam on your own guys if you're watching but cam right.
1: newton's jumping into a swimming pool he's wearing a suit and he's wearing lasso gear socks James Harden wears our socks for every game. And so, Lasso Gear, um, I just saw an update. We're raising uh, one and a half million. We just, I think we raised the first 900,000 already. That is really exciting. The best compression socks in the world. They help healthcare workers, they help airline employees. Um, I mean, they're just unbelievable. I've never had socks, JG, that I can actually put all the way up near my knee and that hold. It's just my calves have always made them go down.
0: Well, No, they're I, nice. I was,
1: I it's hard to be hype. so hyped up about
0: socks, but it legitimately, they're nice socks. We'll say that. The I love socks them. Ever well. made. It's true. I, I've um, given them to
1: my NBA friends who use them, use them to train. But I mean, I was hyped Oh, I've got a drop, name drop for you. I was hiking in the Galapagos Islands. So, there you go. Name drop. And I had the socks on all the way up to the knee and we hiked for eight hours. They never moved a quarter of an inch. So the lasso gear is really impressive. You,
0: na- you said name drop. You didn't drop the name, or you can't. Or you're not going to name the drop.
1: Galapagos Islands, man. Oh, I thought but you were going to say the athlete
0: name. You were wearing a Galapagos. Galapagos Islands. I got you. I got you. That is a, that is an exotic. That is a, that is a nice location. I got to say. So yeah, that that counts. All right, B spot. I think we actually separately came into this at different times and didn't know, but we happen to be on this together, which is also they're making big moves, and and uh, that's a that's an interesting business as well. B spot. The first legalized slots tied to the Alcama horse racing, which is pretty ridiculously it's amazing. Early. They're
1: really crushing it. They're liable to be sold for seven hundred million.
0: Yeah, they're they're the Cash shopping. Live.
1: I've been I've been going once a week to the Cash Live because, you know, I mean, for the folks at home, you download this app and and uh, at say five PM, they have a poker tournament with a hundred thousand people. It's over in twenty minutes.
0: Yeah it's great. I- it's swipe left, swipe right. You're all in. You make a decision. It's pretty. Strict. You got to be all mm-hmm. in. Like
1: I think in the final format, you're only going to have one fold. You're going to have to be all in. You probably have to win twenty all ins in a row to win the tournament with twenty thousand people. And but it's it, kind of fun. And um, it's free,
0: which is not bad. When it's sort of like HQ trivia, you know, you're just you're you're, you're doing something kind of cool, fun, fast, and it's free, which is always. And then the last nice. one we'll
1: cover: is share my pair, which I post. Uh, you know, I post hands all the time. Uh, you know. Um, hands from high stakes poker hands from heads up hands that I play with my friends. I posted some hands when I was playing in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin in a high stakes game. I posted one that my son won. Um, all right, JG, that's enough. Cool. Let's go. To all the right, questions. that's guys. We, we covered, that's what we got going on.
0: That's Phil and I are, like I said, we, I think 10 plus, but we're, we're, we're involved. We got some sweats, Phil. That's it's good to have action going. Uh, let's take some questions. Cause again, guys, I have had a, this is our second podcast. So if you guys want to know, more about phil and his career and sort of the journey you can go back i think it was uh yeah this was a year about a year ago there it is episode number 12 phil many you can watch we covered a lot there as well so if you guys want to go ahead and check that out and uh let's see phil let's take some questions you ready yeah let's let's knock them down i know you got you got some wifey time i think you're going to dinner i don't know what time it is there afternoon maybe a lunch so let's get it guys on twitter go there pin tweet you bro the speak. packers
1: are playing at five fifteen. that's what i got
0: oh shit all right yeah so that's uh, that's exciting that's a big one that still who, got the, two
1: and a half hours but i mean i'm looking forward to the pack baby
0: I love it. It's an exciting game. No doubt. All right. So here we go, guys. We are going to take the questions. We're going to kind of run through them. You still have time to get them in. Uh, let's, let's just kind of knock it out. Phil, just tell me when a few more and I'll, and we'll uh, wind down, but we got, we got a bunch. So let's start right at the top. It's a long question. How would you compare starting to play poker now to when you started? Do you think this is harder or softer with live and online also countless training sites and information to help people, or is there no comparison? I wish you know, the best Craig Leonard 80 asking, what would you say about when you started and now?
1: Craig Leonard, eighty. I'd say it's softer now because there's more opportunity. So I think I think you can from the from your own living room. If you're a talented poker player, you can start making money right away. Um, you know, and and you know, in the U.S., okay, we, we, there's still some issues. I mean, like if you have access to a site and if you feel comfortable playing on a site, then you can start making money right away. That's what I will say. I've been playing with my friends at. Uh, at the, I have no piece of this app at Poker RRR2, um, uh, but you know that's you have to be invited to a game, and we have three or four games. So like I said, I made a lot of money, and then about August 1st, I just stopped playing. I, I think I was a little burnt out, um, but I think it's easier now. Um, I think you can learn a lot. I think that generally speaking, people still don't play patiently enough, and uh, and that creates some opportunity for people to make some money.
0: For sure. And, and give me a bit about online versus live. Like how much, how much softer or different do you think that someone's starting if they go and play a live casino versus uh, playing live online? Or online? I mean, if I were just
1: starting, I would focus on online stuff. Um, I would find a, a dollar, $2 game where I could buy in for $100. And the action's still pretty good at those games. I think the 5, 10 games have gotten tougher and tougher. G-G. Right. But even still, you have... and The funny thing is, to the people watching this, is sometimes the best games are like the $1, $2 games or the biggest games on the site. And so because the biggest games on the site have some some people, that whales, you would call them. Yeah. Um, and so those games are really, really good. And so it's kind of stunning that I found high-stakes poker when I was 23 years old, and I just couldn't believe how juicy and how good those games were. And yet, if I wanted to play 50 and 100 limit back then, they were tough as nails. But if I played 2, 4, 3, 6, the games were great. So there's that weird thing that the higher you get, sometimes the easier the games are.
0: It it is interesting. There's like little sweet spots and different. It doesn't necessarily mean higher or lower. uh, And JG,
1: one quick concept for those at home. You know, I mean, I think of poker as a pyramid. Imagine a pyramid... Of four, and when you're at the top of the pyramid, money's being brought up. So that means someone who's beating a one-two game plays five ten. They dump off their money, uh, and then, and then they go to the next level. And people are dumping off money at every level, trying to get to the top, and when you get to the very top, all the money flows upward. So if right. you can become great at poker, you're going to make a fortune.
0: True. It's very true. There's a lot of money that comes in and flux. At different times. Um, someone asks, is Tony G the most annoying person? This is a name, Walking Duck, Migo Taka. Is Tony G the most annoying person you ever played with? By the way, can't wait for this podcast. So what do you say about, give me just your thoughts on Tony G. Because you guys have like a, you got a very interesting relationship at the tables too. One of the most, I'd say it's maybe the most well-documented and known interaction in sort of a battle over the years. Might be the most fun to watch, the most animated so what does that, what, what does Tony G mean to you and your battle with him? Yeah,
1: I mean, Tony G, so, you know, I mean, I was very disappointed when we played a cash game and, uh, and he told me he didn't look at his whole cards. I had a hand I had to go with anyway. I mean, I think they had the straddle and double straddle on that was like 1600 to go and I had ace jack and I had like 20,000 left. So I had to get it in. Um, but I mean, like he, he had ace king suited claimed he didn't look at his whole cards and then at that point, I was very disappointed in him. And then I decided to forgive him about three years ago when I sent out some nice tweets for him and I went out of my way to be nice to him and to get rid of all of that animosity and get rid of all that BS. And he responded. He liked it. You know, I said, oh, you won. I think it was three years ago. He won a tournament at the Aria a High Roller. And I sent out a picture of him saying, Congratulations. And, you know, I'm all about mending fences. I'm all about having no one dislike me. And I'm all about not disliking anyone else. So whenever I can, wherever I can, I forgive, 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 you know, speaking in my book, positivity, that's my favorite chapter is, is forgiveness. And so I kind of, so in Tony G's case, I've forgiven him and I'm fine with him. You know, I was just, I just did another event today. JG, they paid me like 10,000 to do this. Are you paying me anything?
0: Uh, for the podcast? Yeah, let's uh, just just start business. No, tomorrow. you're
1: not. Let's. <laughs> anyway, the, so the book I was talking about my book, Positivity, and I was doing. I was talking to a bunch of salespeople, and I said, "Hey, you know, one thing I love about my book is is that's rel- that helps every single person. It's just eight life tips. That's my book, Eight Life Tips. And so the one chapter that helps everybody that they always come to me later and say, "Thanks, Phil, you changed my life." Write down your 2020 goals, write down your yearly goals and put them on a nice list and tape them to your bathroom mirror. And people say to me, wow, I hit my number one and my number two goal. Thanks, Phil. And so it's amazing to me how many people are happy and come and talk about, you know, um, how I changed their life just with that one chapter.
0: It's it's a great book. I have it. It's very yeah, like you said, it's simple, straightforward, a quick read, and it, it just kind of you know, it's one of those things that just is, is nice to look at and get a reminder. Tony
1: Robbins. I mean, I'll tell you what, JG. Tony Robbins gave me an amazing jacket blurb on the back, as did Sheryl Sandberg. That's amazing to me. Yeah, there it is, and uh, and 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 so I mean, he was Tony Robbins was telling people to buy my book, Positivity, in oh. his classes. Buy Phil Hellmuth's book. That was incredible. Do you know how I I, when I found that out, I was on the East Coast and someone said, stay another 20 minutes because my girlfriend's excited to meet you. And I was just like, oh, my God, I just want to go to bed. (laughs) But I hung out because I'm a nice guy for the 20 minutes. And she came and I was so happy I stayed the extra 20 minutes, uh, something I wouldn't normally do because I was tired and I'd been playing all day. And she said, I was in Tony Robbins' class last weekend, and he told us to buy your book, Phil. I really wanted to meet you, and I'm really impressed. And I was like, yes, Tony Robbins telling people to buy my book.
0: That is Woo-hoo! a nice endorsement. Like That's I one of the gurus right there in in for space, sure. You know? um, which bracelet is the most valuable? You have 15. You give them away to family members, friends, or, and others. Uh, and, and which one? Is it the first, of course, or what is it? What's the answer for the most one? I mean, the most- I kept the
1: 1989 bracelet. Um, I gave the 2012 main event bracelet, which is way up there on the list, to Chamath and my best friend. Um, and I've given the rest away. My parents, you know, everybody in my family has one. I gave one to my brothers and sisters. There's five. My parents, uh, excuse me, there's four of them. And my parents make six, my wife and my kids. And so uh, once I hit all the family, um, you know, I started giving bracelets away to friends um I gave one to uh Dave Goldberg a- after he died he died in May of 2015. He's married to Cheryl Sandberg. Uh who's you know a lot more famous than I am um and uh but I wanted to to give that in his memory to Cheryl and the kids. And did that. And uh you know my next bracelet goes to Sky Dayton mm-hmm. and then David Sachs and then Rick Thompson. I have a list and so I give them all away. I, the only one I kept was the 1989 main event. They're, they all mean something to me.
0: You know? Right. And you have a goal, I believe, is it, I forget the number, 25 or 24. 24. How many do you want? I 15. You want 15 right now. And what is the, what's your, what's the number? You'll be, okay, that was, I did it. Like, 15. Well, I wanted lead.
1: 24, and then I saw Phil Ivey say he was going to win 30. And I thought, you know what? I reserve the right to win 30. But I want to get to 24 first, obviously.
0: 24 that's a big number but hey you know it's i I wouldn't bet against you that's for sure Um,
1: come on man i have 15 and just finished second third fifth sixth that's just in the last 2019
0: Yes, that's true. I mean, Phil, like I said, it's not. It doesn't sound that crazy, actually. Uh, your favorite burger at the poker table. What's your favorite food? What's your go-to meal at the poker table? What do you order, Aria? What's your What's your go? Like you just my go-to
1: to meal is uh, usually after a poker tournament at, at the World Series of Poker, I'll order salmon, um, grilled salmon, and I'll order it with a side of ranch dressing, and either and usually a bunch of roasted mushrooms and and steamed vegetables and i and i'll kind of put the 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 ranch dressing on top of the salmon that has a really tangy nice flavor for me and uh i feel like that's a a lucky meal for me um it's weird how sometimes i'll do that 20 days at the aria i'll eat that exact meal um i used to eat a lot more salmon but yeah that's kind of my go-to meal as far as burgers go i like a cheeseburger with cheddar I want some uh you know, I want some avocado on there, tomatoes, onions, uh, ketchup and mustard. Very nice. Now
0: I I you mentioned about positivity of the book. You actually said the Antonio hand, ace ten to ace three you had a feeling you weren't going to win maybe, or you just, you could count the chips out. Whatever. Talk to me a bit about the mental side of poker dealing with so many, you know, an all in there's online, there's a lot more confrontations during a day. It's a very different game. Cause when you're playing live tournament, you might, you may not be in all in for the day one of a tournament often or something that that's, or for days of a tournament, whereas online, you know, you're playing six, eight, 10 tables sometimes, or the guys do you're hitting the, the constant beats, constant collisions, ACE, King, ACE, Queen and flips and this and that. How do you, mentally deal with all in situations and, and what what's sort of your routine to like just be relaxed and, and with the outcome and, and and how much do you believe in the mental side of that and being able to prepare and deal with beats?
1: Dude, you're asking the poker brat how he deals with bad beats. Yeah. You know? I yeah, mean that's, that's like asking John McEnroe how, 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 you know, we got to know
0: you, this is, is important. I, that's a great question. That. I would love to hear McEnroe <laughs> you answer as well. slam
1: your racket down?
0: <laughs> right. How, or have you worked on this? Cause you have been known as a poker yeah. brat, but you are, I mean, if I would say Phil 2.0, I mean, in the last, you know, years, you seem like you've really, you've, you know, you gathered know, yourself, a- collected yourself and then have a little different outlook and approach on things, how you do stuff.
1: Yeah. There was a Phil 2.0 and uh, I think it was 07 where I just didn't lose it for the whole month. Not until the main event. And, uh, and then, you know, and then that disappeared in 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Uh, there are those years where I kind of come in calmer. Uh, usually it, usually it's, it's all for naught in the end. But I will tell you this. You can't afford to tilt when there's 30 players left in a tournament. Yeah, sure, I'm going to have the aces and the amateurs going to have the jacks because they can't fold jacks. And they're going to just try to give me their money and they hit a jack. You know, what it, what it is seventeen percent of the time they win that pod. And then that's very tilting. And so the the there is a progression that I use that works for me when I'm aware enough to use it. And you know, if it's two in the morning I'm not gonna be aware enough, I'm just gonna be like, God damn it Which everybody loves that routine anyway. But what I what I do is I it's very basic. I just count my chips, Phil, you have thirty two thousand left. Phil, the blinds are one in 2000. Phil, you have 16 big blinds. After inputting three or four data points like that, my mind is starting to, 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 to just realize that's in the past, even though it's 10 right. seconds ago It's or a, a puzzle. Ago. It's a new
0: game, new situation. That's
1: when I'm at my best, and, and I can't, you know. Um, it, it, but there's also times where I think me going, bah, 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 God damn it, these bad beats, like this. I think it also, people are like, Phil's unstable right now. Um, I'm not going to mess with them right now. And then when I come in raising, it seems like they all fold. Sometimes that can be a tactic that I use to my advantage. That backfired in 03, 04, 05, where all the kids thought, or, you know, 04, 05, 04, 06, 07, 08, where they were all playing fast. And like, Phil's on tilt. We're just going to move on. Um, But generally speaking, they see how tight I play. And then when I get all emotional and raise the next hand, um, I've been able to, to get away with. So, I mean... But, you know, I'd like to say that's a tactic, but that's just me losing it. And, you know, me having for too sure. much passion for the game I love.
0: Do you well, actually, I just thought of something we need to cover because you have been before we, we dive back in the question SPACs. You've had three major SPACs going on. Can you tell me what a SPAC is? and what, uh, what you are involved with in that now, being being sort of this is a new thing, or uh, it's gotten a lot of media attention with DraftKings and other things, and, and you've been at the center of a, a very big one, uh, as as among others. So tell me a little about SPACs and what that is for you.
1: So my best friend is Chamath Palihapitiya, and he's considered right now, I would call him the king of SPACs. His first SPAC, he raised $900 million and went to Wall Street. He raised $900 million. And, and he wasn't sure what he was going to use it for you're not allowed to have a plan on the way in he said trust me it's ten dollars a share you can buy if you want Um, but if you don't like the company brings in or the stocks at eight you can still sell at ten you can always get out until the deal's done and so he you know 18 months passed and people said man he's he's going to fail because you know uh, 10 million dollars was put up in sponsor money that just disappears He's getting. They all thought he'd fail. Well, he brought in Richard Branson, and Virgin Galactic, and then that stock went from ten to thirty-five. It was pretty cool. Mm. And you know, you can see under public record how much money he made. You know, a fortune. Um, you know, <clears throat> and then you know, we're talking about you know hundreds of you know millions, billions of dollars. It's all public record, but um, I don't know the amount. But right. uh, but I. I or if I do know, I'm not going to say it. Uh, right. And then he did another SPAC and another SPAC. Well, a second spec they announced last month called a company called Opendoor. And then, you know, Open Door is a great company. And it went, this his stock went from 10 to 25. I haven't checked it in the last week. I bought a little bit of his stock because I believe in Shamath. And so now we did our own SPAC. And, and so um, it's called, it's trading on, on the New York Stock Exchange at DMYT right now. And we went out, and I was talking to the CEO Greg Carlin on the phone of uh, Rush Street Interactive. Yeah, there it is. And I was talking to the CEO of Rush Street Interactive, and he said, "Hey, we're thinking about going in a SPAC." And I'm like, "I have a SPAC, and my best friend just launched two SPACs." He's like, "Connect me." So I connected him with Nicola Damasi, my guy, and the next thing you know, they decided to take that company out public, but. I'm the one that brought the deal in, so both companies rewarded me. So I basically, with that reward, it's like I finished third in the main event. Um, yeah, it was a good. It was. But I mean, yeah. if you're going to bring in a company to a SPAC and they're right now they're they're public for about two point one billion dollars. Uh, they're floating wow. at about two billion dollars wow. right now. That's big money. It's easy to compensate somebody, you know, third place in the main event when. When you have a $2 billion deal. Then we did our second spec, DMYD. And last week we announced that's floating on the stock market. You can look that up, JG, show the folks. DMYD is in Don. Let
0: me do it right now, crap. Okay.
1: And then that one, we brought in a company last week called Genius Sports. So if you click on the news, you would see that Genius Sports was the company we brought in there. Uh, to float at around $1.5 billion. So right now uh, it's floating at, you know, uh, $1.5 billion. And then we launched our third SPAC, I believe, tomorrow or the next day. We filed for it so I can talk about it. And we and our third SPAC is going to come out in the next day or two. And so how does this benefit me? <clears throat> well, I put in money called sponsor money. And uh, that sponsor money, they – you know, we'll dub, they'll either double it or triple it or 6x at the moment that you invest, but you can lose it all. Right. So when I brought the company into the first one, I was not only protecting the 300000 that I put in there. It was doubled or tripled or quadrupled, you know, but also so, you know, the SPAC things, the SPAC things are, are, are a lot of fun. Now everybody's doing it. Uh, we just launched our third SPAC, um, but I'm having a lot of fun and, uh, you know, and making a lot of money. Now that's late, late stage companies, JG, that's fun stuff. And a lot of people couldn't really follow exactly what I said. That's okay. I'm also doing a lot of the early, early stage stuff. Some of those companies you, we showed earlier, I'm on 10 different advisory boards now. So that's been a lot of fun for me. Um, and you know, I tell each advisor, Hey, I can give you 10 hours a year, but in every company I've been involved with JG, Thirty different companies. I've added more value than they could have imagined. For sure. And so it's easy for a founder to give Phil Helmuth two percent of his company, and when that company is worth three hundred million, all of a sudden my two points is six million.
0: Well, no, I mean I think that's also why I both, like you said, uh, you gave me a, a very nice comment. I think on one of my Twitch shows, saying you have two rules. You basically, uh, if you see, you you look for advisory shares, and then you say, I'm going to call JG, and and you know, I think I I feel the same way about you. I know you that are. That is not an exaggeration,
1: by the way. That's that that. That compliment, when the minute that I finish a deal, I, nine out of 10 times, the first phone call is to you.
0: Awesome.
1: You brought me into some amazing deals and I brought Very you into some pretty cool stuff too. You're the first person I call, why is that? Well, yes, we have 11 different companies that we own a piece of together. They're all seem to be flourishing. We've lost one or two along the way, it's not perfect, but they all seem to be flourishing. But what happens when I bring you this company is you raise money for them non vc money that's very powerful so i call you and i say hey check out prize picks and you're like phil i love this phil and i'll say check out clash you bring it to your brother-in-law who's a who's a business genius and between the two of you you might put a million dollars in or you might then sh- send it to bill perkins after you've invested or antonio Esfandiari, yeah. or phil Locke. So when so you're very valuable for me, not only in kind of rubber stamping a deal, which the minute you invest behind me, I'm like, oh, I feel even better about this deal. But then you also connect with the founders and help them raise money, which is non VC money. It's very valuable. And I'll be able to help them with VC money. Well, most of these early, early guys aren't quite ready for that. So in a year or two, a lot of these companies will be knocking on my door saying, connect me with Bill Gurley you know, or Chamath or David Sachs and I'll press a button and connect them. And we'll be able to pitch some VCs with some of these powerful companies.
0: For sure. We're, we're a dangerous duo, Phil. I like it. I like, I think we're over unders probably 20, 24, 25, just like your bracelets. That's what we're going for. Business wise. We're young, we're, we're hungry and we're, we're, we're right to rock. JG, uh, of,
1: of your generation, it's you and Alan Keating is now starting to pursue a similar path to you. You're the leader for your whole generation As far as poker investing, and I don't know how you do it, honestly, because I've talked about you to my friends. You work. I don't know if you sleep two hours a night or what the hell is going on with you.
0: No, I, I, were, I, I, uh, I, well, I mean, I'll say this, the podcast is a big undertaking. Twitch is a big undertaking. I got a year and a half year old, but, uh, my wife's amazing. Just I, similar to your wife, very supportive, knows there's times of the year, times where it's press go time. And then I got to kind of dial in and then there's, there's family time and, and, uh, you know, I like to be present in whatever I'm doing, but for sure. I mean, I'm pushing hard and I appreciate the kind words, Phil, but this is your podcast. I want to talk about Phil Helm. We want to answer the questions and, and, and dive a few more. So I know you got to get going here soon. Let's take a few more. Or you cut me off. I'm not going to cut you off, Phil. So you just say, let's do one or two more. We'll then,
1: do two or three more questions. I did hear my wife sigh.
0: Yep. That's happy wife, happy life. We know that, Phil. This is a uh, happy, is, wife,
1: it's, happy it's, life. It's very true. <laughs> <laughs> I've been married 30 years, man. That's and I'm still very, crazy in love. I that's mean, awesome. it's amazing. Congrats.
0: And uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's an amazing thing. And, and I love that your wife goes to Burning Man. I've seen her at Burning Man. I've been at Burning Man. That's where I met my wife. I always she like to. probably doesn't it.
1: want you to talk about that. Next okay. next subject. <laughs> we'll cut that out. We'll
0: let it that out. Maybe she just you know, flies by. It doesn't necessarily go in there. Fair enough. All right. Uh, people want to know about your COVID. How has your COVID been? Personally, does it change much of your day-to-day? You know, you're a people person. Now there's back. Things are kind of getting a little back to normal, These poker-wise. How was, you know, March until uh, August for you, July? Like, how was that time period, and what were, you, what were you doing mostly during COVID?
1: So I skipped the – I skipped in, in February. I skipped the LAPC for COVID, and they all laughed at me, and I thought they have no idea what's coming. You know, uh, Matt Savage made fun of me. They all made fun of me, and I just thought, these guys – in about three weeks, they're going to have to apologize for laughing at me. But I didn't want to tell them that because they'd argue and say, no, you're wrong. But my, the data that we had on my tech stream from my friends, who were really the smartest people in the world, the most successful people in the world, and they own biotech companies. So we could see the data early. And so I didn't even go to the LAPC, which was probably uh, February 25th. I also skipped the Bay 101, which was like March 8th. And by the way, it's 20 minutes from my house. I did not want to do that. I did fly to L.A. for Draymond Green's uh, surprise 30th birthday party. But I went with a bunch of guys that had been isolating. We took a private jet down, had dinner, went to the party, and took a private jet back. So I was gone. Even then, I was a little nervous, and my wife was a little nervous. Um, but that was it. And then after that, I mean, literally for uh, three months, um, I, I completely isolated all of March, April. Um, um, I mean, I was not three blocks from my house. One time I walked three blocks from my house. And other than that, I never left my house. It was crazy. Uh, in May, um, some some really some of my friends wanted to fly down to Cabo. Uh, One of my friends said, hey, there's no uh, there's nothing there's no uh, virus in Cabo right now. Uh, I've been down here three months and uh, I really want you to come. So he sent me his jet. So I'm like, you know, so I invited a couple of my other friends and and we hopped on the jet and went down there for like four days. My wife was pretty nervous, although it was private jet. Uh, We played some poker in person Cabo. Uh, No one in that game had been there for less than a month, and they trusted that we'd been isolating too. Um, So it was like three days in Cabo, came back, and went right back to isolating again. Uh, My wife was like, I want you to leave your clothing in the laundry room. I want you to go straight to the shower, even though it was a private jet. And, uh, you know, those were all reasonable precautions. We all thought the death rate was much higher uh, than it was. Actually, my group knew how low it was from the start. But there was a lot of data su- suggesting that it was higher than than even my group thought. And so, you know, there's a lot of isolation. I will say that I started playing online poker six days a week. I had not played any online poker since 2011, since since the, since the online industry tanked zero online poker. And I started playing, you know, uh, set six days a week in two different games. And immediately won four or five hundred thousand right away. Things were going great. And, uh, and then you know, and, but I, I didn't do any I, again, from you know May 15th until July 1st, I don't think I left the house. Right. Maybe one time I finally went to a friend's house um, because he knew that I'd been isolating and he'd been isolating, and my wife and I went there, and I gave my best friend a hug, and my wife was like. I don't know if you can do that. And his girlfriend's like, I don't know if I can do that. And I was like, we're here having dinner. It's
0: actually a bit awkward now, isn't it? Like when you interact with people, like you, it's like, do you handshake? Yeah. not hug like is it it, you know you kind of want to show but you don't know how they feel and then you actually kind of don't want to just because like whatever so it's almost like awkward and and always there's that awkward hand bump with a guy like a is it a handshake or a fist pound and it's already you know can be awkward so it's going to be interesting to see over the next year or two elbow
1: bump if you have like a sleeve on that's yeah
0: exactly exactly so it's a it's a bit crazy i do want to say you hit
1: the nail on the head there with that one
0: Yes. Alan Keating, I, I I meant you mentioned the name. That's actually, you know, I was one of the first people I met in poker. We're from, both from Michigan and we used to you know, actually wear Phelps, Keating, my other friend, Ryan uh, Rapaski, some guys we all met at that same time in Windsor in Canada. I think when we were like 18, 19. But yeah, Keating's definitely he's a sharp guy. He's he's plays big games and he's a fun guy and, and a sharp guy. Also, Matt Seidman is in the chat. He was saying hello. I don't know if you remember Matt. You remember Matt Seidman yes. and Silverman? The, those mm-hmm. guys, so they were, they were checking and they said to say hi uh, to you as well. So Tell them hello. Yeah, they're,
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, i them- I mean, dude, people don't know that you and I went to the Olympics together in 2016.
0: We've had dude, the Olympics that we you were about- My, you,
1: You're Michael Phelps' best friend
0: we we lived and together for 7 years during uh, 08 to 15 2012 we went yes that was in in london uh london olympics you treated me to the opening ceremonies that was a ridiculous gift from you I, i'll never forget that I actually it's funny because i've been to the 12 i went to the 12 16 olympics and oh wait no i'm sorry oh wait in beijing 12 london 16 Rio i didn't go to the opening ceremony to any besides you and you got a hell of a ticket so that was uh that was that was a great opening ceremony and, and a great memory london was uh was a lot of
1: fun for sure well so. you didn't have as much money then it was 2012 and uh, i remember
0: i remember it was the day
1: before and i was thinking you know and we had we weren't going to the opening ceremony i'm like well, what am i thinking we have to go to the opening ceremony I found some tickets. Um, I was less than four k. They were expensive, tickets, I, and it's
0: in pounds, man. Pounds is pounds is tough. Those are that was yeah, the, uh, yeah.
1: But I'm like, what did I fly over here for? Come on, man. Yeah, and uh, and 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 that was pretty cool. The, the opening ceremony in London. I remember we were drinking beer uh yeah <laughs> i'm not a huge beer drinker but i'm like all right let's have some beers
0: Let yeah sideman silverman were there as well and also uh Io. shout mm-hmm. out to our, our friend one of my very very close friends I.O. We stayed at his house for part of it we stayed in a hotel for i it. really liked
1: his family oh
0: yeah nice. great great guy he actually just had another uh baby they got two kids and living back in london so yeah good memories good times people checking in keeping in touch uh, we've known each other for at least 10 years then i guess like oh nine maybe like oh yeah Oh, yeah. I remember
1: I remember that uh, you guys were going to be partying with uh, with Michael on the the River Thames on a boat. Yep. And too often, too often you've invited me to parties and too often I haven't showed up. And uh, if I could go back in time, I'd probably be a little more active. I just thought, all right, I'm going to get back to my wife and kids. But I knew if I stayed another three days, four days. That we'd be all partying together on the boat on the river Thames. And, and I knew, and I knew, and it would be really fun to congratulate Mike. I remember, you know, that that was the time where he had been really struggling with motivation and, uh, you know, it was like, Hey, you know I mean? I mean, the poor guy has been training his whole life and, you know, the Olympics are coming up and he missed some workouts and still crushed. And yeah. I, I kind I really wanted to be there. That's why I'm, 2016, I flew to Mike's house in Phoenix, and hung out with him all weekend at his place. His wife was amazing, yep. and I had a really good time. And the reason I did that, he'd, he'd, I'd been looking to visit him for years. We finally got it done. I went to his training sessions. Man, he was working so hard for the 16 Olympics, so hard. Yeah. And to watch him swim for three and a half hours, I remember I went to breakfast in the middle of him swimming, um, and then I, he went straight to the to the to the gym after that. And just lifted for another hour and a half, two hours. Now it's like two in the afternoon, and and I'm like, I'd set up a poker game for him and I'm like, what time do you want to play? And we said, all right, we'll show up at five. We're leaving at seven p.m. I told everybody, you know, we're, no, he we said we're going to be there at five, but we're going to probably leave by six. You know, he just wanted to stop it and play it. And, and I remember, you know, this was you know the uh, four months before the Olympics, and we left at six. Okay. Uh, 6 a.m. Right. And I remember all the whole night passing and Mike wasn't drinking and I was barely drinking. We're just having fun. And I looked over at him at 3 a.m. and I thought, am I supposed to drag him out? Like, right. I mean, here's the guy that's going to win all the Olympic gold medals. Am I supposed to drag him out of the poker game? And he was laughing and straddling and having fun oh, yeah, and live. Like, he was so happy. And I thought. I don't think i'm supposed to drag him out
0: it's a tough one it's tough because exactly it's a, it, it this is his element he loves poker and he's such a he's a social guy he loves to just kind of hang out and and it is a tr- it's it's a very tricky spot you know you want to make sure you know he's not you're not like detriment to what he's doing but also it's important to be happy and have fun and and, and change things up a little bit so yeah i think that's probably was the right it like i remember
1: 4am like- came along and i'm like hey uh are, are you okay are you all right i mean you want to He's like, Oh no, it's great. And, uh, and
0: then uh, be thrilled that I said 6 p.m. And it's 6 a.m. Yeah. That, that, yeah. We were fine. staying from
1: five until six. All right. Five till 6 a.m. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> you didn't
0: specify. Maybe you didn't specify the, 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 I remember the we were
1: by noon or something. And we were at a, we were at a, a, a local, we weren't drinking, but we were at a bar. Um, yeah. uh, maybe I had one beer, but he wasn't drinking and we were ordering pizzas and we were watching it was the NFL playoffs and uh you know i just remember it was it was a really fun weekend i had with them and and you know one of the reasons that I, I really wanted to go was because i wanted to go to rio and i wanted to feel a little more connected before i went to watch him and then all that stuff about the backwater remember that how people weren't going to rio because they were afraid mm-hmm. of getting yeah. sick remember yeah oh yeah it was and it i was... bailed because of that you know i mean they were talking about oh you could end up uh you know not being able to have kids there was all that stuff about, and then I didn't go to Rio for that reason. Another one I bailed on, but, but I did make it to the 2000 opening. 2012. We, crushed it.
0: we had a great, that was, that was all time. Those are great memories. Um, all right, let's take one, one or two more, maybe last one, even just cause we just, we just got, we keep getting on tangents, Phil. We're going to have to have a third podcast down the road. I think we're good for one <laughs> a year. I think I got to auto book you. Um, so we're, we're, we're covering here. Let's do uh, okay. I just want to ask, let's close with this. What do you think about solvers and their impact in the game? But also, this is a question here from Adrian. Um, what do you do in terms of, like, we, we've covered this in the past, but I just want to, like, reiterate. You have a group of guys. you bounce, Brandon Cantu, Mike Mattisau, you, you mentioned. Two of your close friends, guys that are obviously successful, winning players over time. Mostly uh, now,
1: it's just uh, mostly now I've been talking to Mike Mattisau. Okay. Just like so- make- –
0: yeah. So, so you talk to Mattis he, you know, he could argue again. He's not really like the, the guy that people, he's a great winning player. He's he's, he's made it through the years and, and whatnot. He's not one of the like GTO wizards type crew. You said people have even laughed sometimes when they say it, but like, what is your, you watch stuff. I hear you say you watch the duel. You watch these things. You take notes, you're observing what's going on. You know how to win on your own, but what are you doing to work? Particularly on your game as it changes over the years, because the game has changed. No matter how you look at it, from 2000, 2002, 10, 12, 14, 16, the game's always changing. Population tendencies are changing. What are you doing specifically? Do you do any solver work? Do you do any PO solver? Do you do any of that or not? Or just no.
1: I mean, I, I listened to one GTO podcast for one hour in my whole life, and I've studied zero solvers. Um, I do think that you know it's interesting. Someone said this the other day. Um, one of the great old players said, uh, you know, uh, maybe they've learned all they can learn from solvers, um, and maybe they're still not close to Phil. Um, you know, now that's that's cocky for me to say. I do think that, you know, GTO had a lot of uh, flaws in it to me. I mean, game theory optimal. You know, they act like if you play this perfectly, and, well, I mean, they do some really stupid stuff in there to me, and so... You know, once I figured out, I mean, uh, that they were floating, and I say this, I say I studied GTO for one hour and won the tournament the next day, I don't mean to say that I was using GTO, I wasn't, but I, it was the first time I realized that they were floating me with nothing every hand on the flop, and I just kept giving up, and then I'm like, well, if they're going to float with nothing every flop, I'm going to bomb every flop, every turn, and every river, and all of a sudden, I had a bracelet in my hands, this was 2018, and so... You know, to me to me to me, I will watch some of the stuff that they're doing and pay attention to some of the stuff they're doing. But the minute that I see some flaws, I'm like, I don't like this theory. And so, you know, I I heard some people say that solvers have helped them. I believe it. But I think that any strategy that you devise that doesn't include an element for reading people is fundamentally flawed. Every single one. If you're not great at reading people, you'll never be the greatest poker player in the world. Sorry, guys. All you guys who can't read people, if you can't read people, you will never be the greatest. You might make millions of dollars. You might do really well in the long run. You might impress a lot of people. You might sell some books. But if you can't sit across the table from someone who can't hide their emotions or their tells and understand that they're weak or strong, or even against a great player, then you'll never be the greatest. So, you know, I think, you know, that, you know, you need to be able to read people. And then that's why, you know, you talk about, you know, the heads up style. I haven't changed my heads up style because I just keep limping in and I just keep winning. You know, wow. now, once I see somebody else that limps all the time, then I'm going to have to adapt and change. Right. I'm ready, though, but I come in with an open mind to these matches. I come in when Antonio is going to raise every hand, then I'm going to limp every hand. Now, if I come to somebody that limps every hand, then I might get more raises and more bluffs. But I try to, you know, design my strategy to, you know, to beat my opponent at the time, whoever that is.
0: For sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's super interesting. I saw a question here as well as we were just wrapping up, but last one. You, about the etiquette with uh, Tony G you said you forgive them on that and you guys kind of kind of uh had battled but I will sort of touch on that point about live games the last one and we'll do the retweet giveaway how how do you feel about the etiquette nowadays with people that tank the slowness of the game you know the talking the the uh do you think part that's party. happening
1: anymore JG
0: what's that do you think it's happening
1: anymore where they tank
0: I mean, I don't, I don't know. I guess there, I mean there hasn't been a lot of live poker, to be fair. Like, So I don't really know. But like from the TV- I think
1: they started getting away from taking too much time. Um, but they still do it. They still take too much time. And it's annoying. Um, and, you know, and then these guys are driving out a lot of amateurs. They're driving out a lot of the players that they want to play with. Because I talk to these billionaires and I talk to these guys that are, you know, making 100 million a year or 20 million a year. And the last thing they want to do is sit at a poker table where five people, they make a raise and then this guy studies 30 seconds, staring him down. And then that guy stares 30 seconds, staring him down. And then that guy, they don't like it. They're not having fun. Yeah, of course. It's, they're it's not terrible. being entertained. And, yeah, and so it's, 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 it's crazy
0: just, that some of these guys that do this though, how smart they are that they're like emotional intelligence or that they just can't figure that out. That like certain times you have to kind of, you have to pivot or, or adjust what you're doing. That's
1: IQ, not EQ, JG, you know, a
0: little of both, but I think you're right. You have to have I, a big I,
1: EQ, too, in poker, I think. And so what I'm trying to say is they're really smart, but but if they were smarter, they'd act a lot quicker and keep a lot of these people. in the game. you know, you talk to people like Dan Shack, who, you know, who, who holds his own in these high stakes things, you know. Um, but he just doesn't have fun anymore when they study and study and study. And, and he wasn't getting quite enough results. And he's like, ah, screw this. Eh, I don't have time for this. And so he doesn't want to go play in all the $100,000 high rollers anymore. And a lot of guys, they've driven them out. And so I think it's really bad for poker. And this, it's a shame because a lot of these kids are really nice people that I would hang out with, that I would have a beer with, that are good guys that can carry on a very intelligent conversation. And there's so many ways you want to be with them. But I think that, you know, this, this staring down, is, it's going to cost them a lot of money and it's, it's bad for poker.
0: For sure. All right. Well, we got, uh, we, we covered a lot. This was an amazing podcast, a lot of fun. And again, we have had one in the past. We're going to, we already copied this and we're going to go ahead and give someone a $111 ticket, man. $111. That's nice. You can win a nice prize courtesy of Party Poker. Phil, Hummy, you tell me when to draw it? We're going to roll it.
1: Three, two, one, draw it.
0: Rolling it, all right. There was a record amount of inter- engagement on this tweet, Phil. You have, uh, you're hot. You just fished off a triple undefeated uh, feud. You're playing high stakes. You're you're doing spacks. You're in the mix, Phil. You're in your vortex. You are in your your absolute peak vortex, I would say. So you is, and I uh,
1: talked about that, that. I call it. I'm in a business vortex. You happen to be there too. But there's not a lot of chamas in the business vortex. A lot of my friends are, but you don't see a lot of poker players in a big business vortex.
0: It, it's true I, I i think that's true it's just not one of the things all right there we go we got my man bramble who just scooped 111 ticket courtesy of phil and party poker giving it we're rolling it we're all doing good things phil so much fun having you thank you as always hope to do it again soon and we'll catch up and i'm sure we got some more business coming you soon. and i are always
1: catching up i'm sending you deals you're sending me deals i've sent i think i've sent you two or three deals this year and vice versa
0: yes we just keep doing it well, recover 180. That's so you got to check that one out, Phil. I'm telling you that's a special one. That's on the table right now. So, let's uh We're doing it. We're doing it. it. We're doing help it. Yeah. Being the greatest, he's doing it. He's number 1 all time and we'll see you soon. Appreciate you. I'm out in three, two, one. Good luck everybody see you bye guys next podcast next week we will have i believe two don't have the set dates yet but we got a ton a ton of guests lined up can't wait for you guys to see that we have crossed 100 podcasts we do have giveaways pending if you guys go to my twitter jeff Gross poker on the let me show you guys here we do have a pending weekly schedule and also on my website if you go to my website. there is now a newsletter plus my schedule is posted so you can see there it is podcast 101. going to be off the next two days and then we are going to play the 2600 big game on Party poker plus I have my home game at 6:15 on Party poker and uh, what else do we want to cover we, I mean we covered his hand and mob pretty pretty elaborate and impressive. 24 million lifetime results. And again on my Twitter, if you go to my pin tweet, uh, which actually now is not pinned since we pinned Phils, um, there it is, the weekly uh, schedule. So let's pin it and you guys can engage. And we are going to give away a $111 ticket for that as well. All you got to do, is follow the instructions. And I said, the poker hand, uh, I believe we'll, we'll draw this as well on Sunday. Uh, the election, which now is coming down to it. Obviously looks like the uh, queen Jack suited of, you know, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, queen Jack suited versus the 45th president, four or five of hearts, red and blue. Uh, it was a wild ride. I asked you to put your hand in what you think the the board runs out. So, you know, it's been kind of interesting I'd say flop was uh Pretty, pretty, pretty steady in a, a toss up turn. Looked like it was all the Don and now going to the river. Um, I don't know. Biden looks like he's got a big lead, but it could be a missed deal. Could be a reprint. We don't know what's going on. Pretty wild. If you guys want to engage in that, I invite you. Um, stay safe. Be courteous. Be good to people. We'll see you soon. Appreciate you. And thanks to Phil for coming on, guys. Appreciate, uh, appreciate a lot. We'll see you soon. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to this episode. It was brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes.